0: Starbucks. What are you here? Nothing but the rain. You grab your gun and bring in the cat. Don't it up by overthinking. Well,
1: how the? fuck could you get in so close without being detected?
0: You're a lousy salesman. You got me. I'm just a passenger back here. How? Why? It doesn't really matter now. What does matter? And as of this moment, we are at war.
1: Welcome once again to Free Range Idiocy, uh, a podcast about, well, everything, but mostly the things that we kind of like. With me, as always, the Tito Santana to my Rick Martel. With the flying uh, jalapeno. Mr. Tim. (laughs) 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 Thank you, Jesse the Body. Well, you know,
2: if, if there was one thing that, that, you know just elevated tito santana it, it was jesse the body ventura <laughs>
1: elevated or mm, was a class action <laughs> well like defamation suit well, waiting to happen fair enough the line is so fair very enough. thin fair enough <laughs> Especially with yeah. Jesse Ventura, <laughs> let's
2: face it. After
1: I whip you for your intercontinental title, you're facing a lawsuit from me, my man. I mean, my goodness. How did he ever get a... Well, then again... And, hello, yeah. hello. Okay, so uh, <laughs> so happy uh, whatever it is, wherever it is, and whenever it is to you. Uh, we are back after a little bit of an absence here, and uh, we are going to be talking this uh, fine day about our favorite episodes from... Season 2.0 of Battlestar Galactica because we are just that damn mm-hmm. geeky. So, uh, first question before we d- dive more into uh, another deep geek. Uh, sir, what you drink? Well,
2: uh, you're going to probably get the sense that there's a bit of a backlog of Goose Island in the household. To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. <laughs> <laughs> no. So we're going to make it a trifecta really? here And uh, we're having a Goose Island Summertime Kolsch Which on it says Fruity, allowed. aromatic, and crisp
1: There's so many <laughs> jokes right there And I'm going to avoid <laughs> all of them Look at that Come on, oh maturity huh?
2: There maturity it There it is
1: Oh, and That's it's a right. can That's Look right. at you Somebody got them a sampler pack for Christmas and has been holding out down in the basement on it.
0: Hey, That's give right. me one of those famous giant beers I heard so much about.
1: All right, so uh, one may, one little bit of a change. So uh, our first dive into Battlestar Galactica, our, fish, our first official dive, because we've been, we've been kind of nipping around the edges of this sucker for the first few episodes anyways. We found any which way to wrench the conversation around Battlestar Galactica and finally figured, screw it we might as well just talk about mm-hmm. this head on. Uh, so last episode, uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, you can find it at, uh, well, if you go to freerangeidiocy.com, it'll take you right to our Podbean page. You can download it there. Like I said before, if I don't even know how you got this episode if you did not find us there. So really, you may still be on AOL <laughs> at this point, in which case downloading it is completely out of the question and you are not getting another one of those little CD-ROMs in the mail, just to let you know um so uh, you can find us there you can also find us on facebook and twitter at free range idiocy in both places uh so but for this episode we are going to try and rein ourselves in a little bit after two straight three hour marathons in a row um so we we've changed the format a little bit
2: actually but, but and, before uh, you go any further did you identify what you're drinking
1: oh yes Oh, I, my goodness. No, Thank you for being no, on track, I mean, sir.
2: You know, once you get rolling with the social media, I just kind of take a step back and let you work your magic. So, now that the magic has been worked.
1: Ma- magic or just outright yammering and it's just easy to just let me wear myself out. <laughs> Do tell. Uh, well, this, e- this evening I am, uh, I am drinking uh, Michter's Single Barrel. U.S. One Straight Rye, which is a Kentucky Straight nice. Rye whiskey. Ah, uh, you know what you are? You're you're one of those little uh, fancy lads, aren't you? It uh, is quite lovely, and uh, I would highly recommend it if you have the means. Hey, would you like to buy a monkey? So, uh, anyways, a little bit of a change to our format, just because I want to explain this, because we we got way out of <laughs> hand last time. Can we just can we both agree uh, on you that? You ain't
2: gonna get any argument from me, my friend. <laughs> oh, 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 okay, oh, oh,
1: oh. so. Uh, when we went through the entire first season, there was how, m- how many episodes? Like twelve. 10, there were 12
2: episodes? yeah, I, yeah. I think it was twelve.
1: Okay, so we each chose a top five, and then we so we ended up talking about two thirds of the season, <laughs> and it took three hours in order for us to do that. What the uh, hell? That is intolerable, <laughs> even for us. So what we're doing now is uh, when when Battlestar Galactica was aired they actually did it in half seasons. I think it was partially just the way that it production and all that. So it worked out that you would get season 2.0, then 2.5 mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, part a and part B of the same season, but I watched on DVD. So I look at the the DVD box titles. Um, so we're going to be talking about season 2.0. That is the first half of season two. And that is what 10 yes. episodes. So instead of picking a top five and talking about, all the episodes, which kind of takes the fun out of the whole <laughs> top thing. Uh, we're going to each pick three episodes and just pray that we can actually not spend three hours talking about this. Good luck. Maybe That's two. The goal. We'll. See, I know. We we really ought to wean ourselves down, like we're trying to get off cigarettes <laughs> or something. Like, yeah, we went from a pack to two thirds. <laughs> to yeah, cold turkey is just out of the question. Anyways, so uh, we'll be talking about our. Our three favorites, three each for uh, for each of uh, three yes. for each of us. Good lord!
0: Today, Junior.
1: Maybe I should have I a little bit more there you go. rye whiskey. Straighten that out. Uh, and we're gonna try and keep this sucker under three hours. Good luck. So, uh, what? Actually, should we should we talk a little bit more? Because we've had some before we get into the mm-hmm. the actual thing. Uh, we've had a couple kind of cool things happen here. So let's go with yours first. Uh, you had a brush with greatness this past week. Uh,
2: yes. Over the weekend, I uh, was fortunate enough to uh, attend the BMW Championship Golf Tournament uh, PGA-sponsored in uh, Medina, uh, Illinois. And uh, I, I think it was Saturday I went. And uh, one of the areas that we were able to uh, you know, you play from uh, was... Uh, they, there's a pavilion for, for owners, and um, they had a 16th uh, view on the 16th green and a view on the 17th uh, tee. And so I was able to get a pretty good uh, spot with a friend of mine, uh, you know, right at the 17th tee. And so we got to watch some, uh, some pros uh, hit the ball, uh, make it look easy, make me wonder uh, how I can <laughs> someday improve to even a tenth of that level. Um, but, but the big one, big, big one was Tiger. So, so I got to see, uh, yeah, got to see Tiger Woods and Dustin Johnson up close. Um, I mean, not, you know, not like I was at the ground level. I was, I was, um, up on a kind of elevated stage area looking down on the tee.
1: Now you told me before that you handed Tiger the, you, you handed him the driver. That's not what well, you told me. Well, it, it
2: was a par three, so it was an iron I handed him, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> one of the facts ever. So I'm on a
1: first tee. What am I giving to the driver? He hauls
0: off and whacks one. Big hitter. Dilemma.
1: Long. <laughs> Details. I gave up golf a long time ago.
2: <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So, yeah, so, that, that was a it was a fun experience. Um, Gunga. One, one other little anecdote real quick. Uh, as, as my friend and I were walking uh, – because you, you, you can walk along the course and just kind of stop and observe, you know, different uh, tees and stuff like that. Um, we actually saw a congregation of fans around a certain area, and this one golfer, I forget his name, um, had hit into the rough. And so there was just this little congregation of people around, and so he's, you know, kind of checking out his shot and everything. And, uh, but I mean, we were like probably no more than 10, 15 feet from him, just you know, watching him play and, you know, and he's hitting the ball through these two trees and he nails it, you know, just the sharpshooter right through it, you know, right, right through both of trees. Course. Beautiful shot. Uh, I said to my friend, well, it's good to know that the pros at times can hit it into the rough as well. So
1: so I got that going.
2: But more importantly, they, they can, can actually get
1: it out of the rough. Unlike well, I,
2: I, I said to him, I said, if that was me, I would have ping ponged it off of both trees. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sir, and this is why I've given up golf. I, I I will tell you this short little little story. I remember distinctly this happening. I mm-hmm. hit into the woods because, of course, <laughs> I I, had, I had managed. to – I was one of those rare uh, ambidextrous yeah. golfers where I had a hook oh, and a see, slice. There you go. So essentially, I had no idea where the you hell I was going. I had a lot of tools
2: in the toolbox. I don't know where it's going to go. I swear to God.
1: <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, none of them would help me. So I would. I was in the woods. And I actually found the ball, which was another rarity. So I found my ball and I'm looking out and it was kind of a dog Mm. leg to the right. And I had hit it short of the dog leg, but close enough to where it kind of curved around where I could actually see the green from where I was in the woods. It was almost like I had hit it. If I had been aiming for the green, I would have actually been on Mm. a straight line. I was not aiming for the green, so I was completely messed up. And I remember looking at it, and I'm like, okay, if I take a three iron, and if I hit it, and I keep it nice and low, and I go right between those two trees, I can bring it in right under those branches, and I can put this right out on the fairway, it might even roll up up to the green. And then immediately after I had that thought, I'm like, if I could hit that shot, I wouldn't be in the frigging <laughs> woods to
2: start with. I was going to say, there was a lot of ifs in that statement.
1: <laughs> and and, I, and yet I still tried it. And you know what happened? I hit the ball. I didn't ping pong it off. I hit it off of one tree, and it actually went behind oh where I started.
2: <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs>
1: On the bright side, I learned. I think I invented a new cuss
2: uh, word that yeah.
0: day. I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> I can't be sure because I kind of blacked out. I don't out know if you remember point. this,
2: but way and I'm, I'm going to go in the wayback machine. This is, this this is back uh, when when we were uh, splitting the apartment. We went to the mm-hmm. local driving range, and we were hitting. And do you remember? I went up with. I think it was at a time because this is this you know crappy set of you know, first time golf clubs that I was using, you know, and and I, and I'd had them forever. And I happened to take the three, the, the the three wood out and I hit once I hit again. And all of a sudden we're just, you and I are just standing there watching as the club head is flying after the ball. (laughs) Do you remember this? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) although to be honest, I kind (laughs) of thought
1: that was me. No, no, that,
2: that was me. It literally, I, I stood there shocked I didn't realize that that could actually happen.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. So, a lot, lot of goodness oh, from the man. golf game. A lot of goodness. Oh yeah, I, I quit. I I couldn't do it anymore. I was like, this is this totally is like Winston Churchill said, golf is a is a is the best way to yes, ruin a good it, walk. It, it is.
2: So, what was your brush with greatness?
1: Well, it was actually more of our brush, really, because I mean, you're you're in this with me too, uh, whether it's you know just because we're in this together and we're friends, or if you know if anything ever comes up legally that you're going down <laughs> with me, Mr.
0: Gambini, your witness. Uh, good to know where Sorry. I stand. Thank you. <laughs> what is it, you?
1: Hey, you know, in for a penny, oh boy, in for a oh pound, boy. brother. <laughs> um, so, uh, I, we I tweeted out something about uh about. Battlestar Galacticast, which is the, the podcast I mentioned in the previous episode, and uh, basically said, I can't believe it's taken me this long to actually discover this thing. But, you know, the hosts are awesome. And I, I because I just, I was like, who cares? I added Mark Bernard and, and Trisha Helfer on the, on the tweet. So Trisha Helfer actually responded to the tweet. And I was like, hey, cool, that's actually relatively awesome.
0: All of this has happened before. But the question
1: remains. Although then I was like, oh, man, did this actually happen or did I just imagine it? Like, that was actually a thought. And I re- I tweeted that out afterwards. I'm like, did, I, did this actually happen or not? Or is right, this all in right. my head? Like, I'm I'm very confused right now because I've spent so much time re-watching yep. the episodes. Like, the whole concept of, like, head six is just messing with nice. my mind right yep. now. Yep. Yep. So, anyways, that was that was our brush with with fame and fortune this past weekend. Tiger there Woods we and Trisha Helfer. There we go. I mean, and,
2: and, Dustin, and Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson I mean, as well. Yeah. But, you know, both of them. Silky smooth off the 17th tee. Big hitter. Long.
1: Trisha Helfer, too? I don't uh, know what no. she
2: called. Uh, Dustin and uh, Tiger.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. Just checking. Anyways. Oh, and hey, actually, in further Battlestar Galactica news, uh, um, Katie Sackhoff, mm-hmm. Starbuck, I, I just noticed as i was scrolling through twitter today uh she was at, she actually did a spartan race you yeah. ever see these things they're they're like the the obstacle course races that you do it's like you you go through mud and over monkey bars and the, the obstacles just get more and more insane as you go mm-hmm. along kind of thing um i did one called tough mudder which is it's kind of different than spartan race spartan race i think you actually have to do the obstacles like Tough Mudder. You could walk around the obstacle if you, if you didn't want to do it, uh, which I only did with one, because at that point I was like, I am not going to break my neck cause I'm so tired. I'm going to, I am yeah. going to hurt myself. Um, but Spartan race, I think you have to do the obstacles. Otherwise you, you have to do like a penalty, like you have to do push ups or burpees mm-hmm. or something like that in order to go around it. Or, you, and, and you have to, if you fail the obstacle, like if you, if you don't do it, you have to do okay. the penalty too. Um, so anyway, she was training for this thing for a while. It was on her like Twitter stuff. And so she goes to the, she goes through it, crosses the finish line, and found out that she got second in her age group and like ninth overall oh, wow. in the whole thing. Which I thought was funny because when I did the the Tough Mudder back in the day, not even close to being the same. I mean, just I'm not even gonna try and compare yeah. to that. <laughs> but, but I found out at the end of it, posting my time, uh, me and my friend who completed it. We actually qualified for like the toughest mudder, which is like the one race that they do that's more competitive at the end of the year. And it's like this insane thing where you just keep doing wow. the course as, as until everybody is gone except for the last wow. person. Like it's just total yeah. elimination and they'll do it over 24 hours, like a like an 8-mile, 10-mile course. Man. You just keep <laughs> running it. And and I was like, e- yeah, I know." <laughs> just kind of happy i made it through this one with everything yeah. intact i'm all nice. set nice so anyway there's there's your your battlestar galactica news update we, i guess yeah <laughs> you're, you're half arsed yes, right, right. i mean i'm sure the other folks in the cast were doing stuff too and it's it's very well worthwhile all right so let's uh let's actually jump into this sucker and um Let's start off with, uh, you actually have the, the honors on this one. So the uh, the first episode on your list is Valley of Darkness, which is the, the second ap- episode from mm-hmm. season two. The summary from this one is a Cylon boarding party wreaks havoc throughout the ship while the stranded crewmen on Kobal struggle to stay yes. alive. So tell me, tell me, tell me. What was um, it you liked about this
2: well, one? Well, this, this episode overall was on a number of levels had a very horror vibe to it. It, it it leading into the beginning of it um in the first episode the uh the cylons crash into one of the hangar bays of galactica um the
1: mm-hmm. actually the uh the museum the museum hangar, hangar bay. bay and hanger hanger pod and, and what was
2: interesting was it was the first i think that episode was the first time we had ever seen a cylon heavy raider which is a really odd looking ship because they just tried to find a way to put that little red line thing that goes back and forth somewhere on the ship
1: yeah it is it is an odd thing but yet it's it's odd that it also conveys you know exactly yes, what it is yes. you look at you like you look at it like that is an assault ship that is a badass just going to it is heavily yeah. armored it's not delicate at all it is a sledgehammer right and, the, and
2: the vipers tried to shoot it down failed um and this is this is in the first episode um so it crashes and and i remember you texted this to me and, and it was a very cool ending to the, to the first episode but um it then reveals that there's a uh a platoon of uh of cylon robots um oh yeah the centurions is it, it, thank you it just starts yes. in the
1: dark and then you see the, you see the red lines. Right. And, woo, and woo, then woo, and it starts with one. And then all of a sudden there's like a right. dozen and of they, them and they just yeah. come right and, at and you. And that's
2: how episode oh. one ends is, is that, that one of them just comes right at the camera and, uh, and and just ends it. And so when Valley of Darkness starts um, th- there's a bunch of things going on, on, uh, on Caprica, on Galactica and on Cobalt. And so on Galactica, the horror show starts where um, the pilots just get back from their battle. Uh, they're they're walking mm-hmm. through the halls and they just and I mean, it was just so well done how they did this. I mean, literally just come around the corner. They're joking around and there's a Cylon Centurion standing right there. And he just hacks the bejeisms out of whoever the, the soldier was. I'm forgetting his name. Um
1: Oh well, it doesn't matter because that was like his one okay. episode. They like they introduced that guy specifically for that. Ep- he might as well have been wearing a red right. Star Trek right. shirt.
2: And Apollo was there with them, and so from this attack, they're all covered in this guy's blood, and you know they're they're battling the Centurion. Um, you know Apollo almost basically gets killed himself until some some support comes in and they they uh, they, they take it out. Um, but for the, the majority of the episode, I believe. You know Apollo's leading this crew. I mean, the, the whole crew is just kind of fighting in real time, trying to catch up to the uh, to the Centurions as they invade the ship, um, just covered in blood. Yeah. And and it's just it just conveys a very lethal and and very uh, unsafe environment that's going on on the ship. Um, and and Ty, you know, through, uh, <laughs> I suppose we should say at this point, like the first half of season 2.0 Uh, is really kind of a story in what would happen if Saul Saltai were the sole commanding officer on the ship. (laughs) And the answer is
1: not (laughs) Not a whole lot lot good.
2: Um, Because episode
1: two really represents the high point for him.
2: Yeah, he he correctly calls it. He correctly, um, he's seen the tactic uh, the the Cylons are employing before. And he he understands that they're about um, a mission of basically you know, not airlocking, but 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 what's the term they use? Not ventilating, but
1: well, vent. no, they're gonna vent. They're gonna they're gonna go to a rear uh, auxiliary yeah. damage control and and vent the crew into space.
2: Right, and then once they take over the ship, they would then turn the ship on the rest of the fleet and wipe the fleet out, and thereby completely annihilate humanity at that point. Um, so he correctly predicts what's mm-hmm. going on. And he's trying to coordinate with whoever is available and is capable of fighting. To, to get to those two areas, and and I believe during the episode they secure the front part of the ship pretty quickly, but it's it's the it's the aft part yeah. of the ship where uh, Apollo and his and his crew um, are really struggling to kind of catch up with the Centurions before they get to I think it's aft damage control where they can then vent vent the ship. Yeah. Um. So there's this yes. there's this just sense of, um. I, I would say it's a different sense of re- relentlessness than like when we talked about thirty three last time. That was a different. Kind of relentlessness, this pursuit feeling um, th- that's going on. This this was more lethal. This was more, um, you know, you you really felt the tension building as the episode went because they they were really, you know, they were taken by surprise and they were really uh, struggling um, to 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 stop the silence from what they were doing.
1: And it's cool because it's another it's another example of them being able to do a different type of episode yet keep it in the sci-fi genre. Like this is kind of their world war two yes. battle yep. field episode because every time they would, and it was all, they couldn't really communicate because the silence had shut down a lot of communication. So they only had like those, those phones that basically just worked on voice. Right. And then they, they were running messages. So you'd have like people running in and, and handing a message to Gator running out and he'd be like, okay, they're, right. they're happening. And, and it's almost like they were pushing around the little, things on the table and showing how a battle is unfolding which was awesome you know it was it was a really cool way to illustrate that and to do that kind of an episode you know you can't have like a pitched battle out on a planet somewhere really but it was like it was contained inside the ship and it was it was really claustrophobic it was it felt like the best parts of like um of diehard you remember like how claustrophobic that felt sometimes because they were stuck in that right. building like you're in the confines of that. And well, and and,
2: and they keep it grounded too in the fact that the the standard sidearms that the pilots carry don't necessarily I I don't know I don't remember if this is because these are more heavily armored Cylons or not but the standard sidearms they're carrying are yeah. not enough to take them down.
1: I thought it was a little odd because that was the one thing that kind of on this is probably like my fourth time watching it that I was like,
2: uh, well, you, was, you could always
1: they seem to be able to take out the Cylons before. But again, maybe they are more heavily armored being on that radar and being a right. Boarding and, and,
2: they, and so part of the episode was the pursuit of the weaponry that would be effective against them. And then, you know, to kind of wrap up the Galactica thread of this episode, you know, really um, the way they filmed, you know, Apollo finally knocking out the last Cylon, who was you know, again, throwing itself. I mean, it had already been damaged, but it was just throwing itself in the direction of, of what its mission was, and um, and just seeing that ruthless determination, uh, and finally Apollo mm-hmm. put putting it, you know, putting it out of its misery basically, um, and stopping them from from what they were trying to do. Yeah, was just so well done. I mean, it was just you you really like. I like the term you use. Like, it was a very claustrophobic, very intense, close quarters battle that's going on and then not to mention that what i appreciate what they did with with Rosalind's perspective of all this so Rosalind is in the brig still um being guarded yes and she's hearing all of this gunfighting going on and and again it's the little details that that they do so well in the show the gunfighting is going on you hear this screaming this this you know this it, again it, it's just like this horror is going on on the ship and mm-hmm. she's got no idea and she's stuck in this prison, <laughs> so it's like if anyone breaks into where she is, she's done because she's a sitting duck at this point.
1: Yeah, and this and there's two things about that that I thought was great. I thought number one, the idea of it, it, they managed, to, and again, I I I know we just spend so much time just like just being water, you know, carrying water for like the writers and the directors and the actors and everything. But they worked, they did so well at taking a situation. And then finding ways within that situation that you're going to use and have happen anyways, but then finding little ways to add in character yeah. moments that built the character. And the moment when she's, she's in the brig and she's hearing all that. And, you know, she's like, I want to let me out. And then, you know, she, the the guard is, is not going to let her out. And she's like, I'm not going to die in here like a rat in a cage, you know? And just the way that she kind of brings that out, like just that, that fighter in Rosalind, that, is always kind of there that that is there under the surface. And that is kind of like the uniting factor between Mm -hmm. her and Adama. Like they're, they can both be extremely calm and very professional and can even suave and charming, but underneath it, like, you know, Adama will kill a Cylon with his bare hands and a flashlight. We already saw that, you know? And now you kind of see this from Rosalind and, and later on in the series, there's another scene, which we'll get to eventually here in like, four or five months when we finally get to the next season or a couple <laughs> seasons from now. But, but you see this come out of her where you're like, Oh, you don't mess. No, her Ross. No. <laughs> you, you, you don't want to make her angry. That's yep. not a good idea. Um, but that, that was cool because it's just, a it's a, it's such a fleeting moment, but it, it jerks the guy kind of back into reality and he yeah. lets her out. Like it kind of make he, he, she makes so much sense and so passionately. And also is like, even, even from outside the bars, I'm a little yeah. bit scared of you. Um, the other part of that is they did something here that is so great where they they let you hear stuff, and they don't always right. show it to right. you. And they let your imagination kind of fill in the blanks. And it, and they did this later in the in the same half season uh, with Final Cut where they had the brilliant scene. That was the one where they're – and not to get too far ahead of ourselves or anything, but that was the one where they um, – they have the journalist on doing the expose and kind of like the reality TV show episode, which is hilarious because they shot so much of Battlestar Galactica handheld, like documentary style. So then it's like documentary style, then being shown through reality documentary style. It it started getting like, it was like inception, like three or four (laughs) levels deep in handheld, you know, but there's the moment in that episode where, they the the vipers have to go out and there's cylons that just jumped in in amongst the fleet and they have to go out and the cap has to go out and take out the cylons and they show the entire dog fight from inside yeah. galactica they they don't show you any of the actual fight yep. you just hear it over the intercom and they, and you, and they show the deck crew and they show yeah, oh yeah. cic and they just yep. show reactions and that is so brilliant, and it's they do that so often where they don't necessarily show you what's going right. on. They let your they let your they let your brain fill it in, and they do it for space And, and, and even
2: though this is said in space, when you watch that, if you've ever watched, you know, any sort of war documentary, you know, th- that's not that far off from what they do on warships or in submarines and so forth. You know, like they they don't have the ability yeah. to see what's going on at all times. And yep. yeah, so so to kind of treat it that way was just brilliant. Um, I do have to give, uh, if you don't mind me digressing just for a moment, I do got oh, to give special mention to our boy time. Billy. Uh, that man oh, handles yeah. a, a firearm uh, like the best of them, I believe. Get on all morning.
1: How about that little fella? Well, that little guy? I wouldn't worry about that little guy. <laughs> uh, well, not really. Cause <laughs> even with D with the concussions, like, okay you want to put the safety on if you're putting well in i your mean trousers. just that was a gun doing in your trousers and then he he has it out he's like you want to take the safety off now i'm like you know what well, so stop it blowing your bollocks
2: off every time you sit down good well, thing
1: you're here d because even like with your your marbles all jumbled up you're still more <laughs> present of mind and the, than Billy.
2: and then the fact that once he takes the safety off he does the the, the typical comedy routine of firing off the you know that that the, the loose round that basically you know brings the Cylon in them in their direction and it's just kind of like oh, could everyone stop getting shot?
1: Which is also another thing because it 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 gives you that moment that you kind of see coming of Laura dives and saves him and then of course it's going to be like the bullet hole through the hat right, kind of right. moment you know and like yep. the old westerns and she has the bullet hole through her jacket or whatever and you know she was that close to death but when you then if you actually take a few seconds and think about it if he, that series of events hadn't happened, I don't know that Apollo and Kat and the others would have actually been able to take out yes. the Cylons. oh yeah, yeah. Because they the Cylons were actually distracted for just a moment, and it kind of allowed the pilots yeah. to get a jump on yeah. it. So it almost kind of lends itself to like, yeah, well, oh, of course, Rosalind's protected, you know, because she's the prophet and all this stuff and, you know, the things that you kind of get into.
2: Right, right.
1: But... There's also this kind of like, well, it's actually a little bit deeper than that if you want to go into, well, maybe this is fate. Maybe this is a bigger plan, yeah. you know, kind of thing, because there is that extra. Well, maybe it wouldn't have right. worked out that right. well. Or maybe I'm no, just no, it. I, I, I think I it,
2: throughout the series, there are always those moments where certain events play out in a way that, you know, gives you the sense that there's an orchestration of, of things going on you know, to, to keep them going. And, mm-hmm. and like you said, I think this is one of them where you, you have Billy with his goofiness, you know, actually being the reason why they were able to, like you said, get a jump on them and eventually stop them. So so without that, yeah. you know, it's 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 all for naught. Um, so I think that's most of Galactica, I think.
1: Yeah, and then you have everything that's happening on Cobol, which is its own kind of... Craziness because we also talked about so this actually was something that happened at the right. end of season one. Like they've they've they crashed on Kobal and at the end of season one, and that's when we kind of got the first look at um we that was when we first got to look at the Opera House yes. and all that yeah, stuff, and, right? And
2: we get a sense that for the first time that there's a plan for this child. Um, I think at the end of season one, you think it's Baltar and Six they are going to be the you know it's basically something they're going to bring to bear, and then. I think we're starting to get a sense now that it, it has more to do with with uh, the Athena version of Sharon.
1: Uh, well, I think at this point we can almost call that Sharon. And now that now that oh well, wait a minute, that isn't yeah, quite yeah. happening yet. Never
2: mind. Um, I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Well, you know. Well, yeah, I was going to say we'll spoil now. about ten minutes. Um, yeah, hey, hang on. But yeah, so so Cobalt is. I wouldn't say Cobalt fits necessarily as as intensely into the horror. Uh, you know aspect of this or genre that that galactica experiences but there is this further breakdown going on with with crashdown as kind of the lead you know the the highest ranking member of this party
1: although i i don't know if i agree with you there i i think that i think that what galactica is going through it's just a different kind of horror <laughs> i think the galactica is going through much more of like kind of the jump mm-hmm. scare in your face kind of horror whereas What's going on in Koble is much more of a slow burn. It's almost more of like a Blair Witch sort of like, and that's probably a really poor example because I'm not a horror right. movie guy, but it's much more of like a suspenseful right. horror because it is going to end with some really bad stuff, you know. But you don't. It kind of has a real slow build to it. Yeah, it it, it almost maybe so maybe a, a half. In some ways, it's
2: almost like the horror of of inexperience. In some ways, if if that's even a phrase I can turn. Um, and, and, and I'll say it this way because what ends up happening is the whole reason Callie and Tyrell um, and that, I forget the other uh, soldier's name.
1: Well, actually, hang on. You're getting, you're getting into actually, or is that? No, you're right. That is it. No, it's okay. I'm sorry. I'm no. getting, I'm getting your episode but, and my episode cr- messed up. Go ahead. Sorry. when they,
2: when they have to run because um, the, the Cylons are, are, you know, know where they are, or, or at least coming into the realm of where they are, they have to run into the woods, and he he tells everyone to yeah. abandon everything. I mean, Crashdown's just, in, he, he's just not ready for this sort of leadership yet, and it's very evident from the beginning of, of this whole fiasco. Uh, he orders them to leave yeah. everything behind, don't worry about the med kit, so they get into the woods, and then they realize they needed the med kit, and so now he's got to send, Yeah. so because of that inexperience and, and poor decision making, he now has to send a soldier or now three soldiers because Tyrell and Callie go with him to go and fetch that med kit. And then they end up getting fired upon.
1: So he ends up sending Tarn, which I don't even, again, I remember the most random crap. And so I can remember that, but I can't remember like useful things. Um, but he tries to send one guy. And I think this is a great example of, uh, it's a great juxtaposition of, of looking at Crashdown and Tyrell. And you see a guy who it's that old kind of, and again, it's it's one of those things that you've seen right. in movies before, you've seen in TVs before. You have the the, um, well, hell, and Aliens, you remember the the guy who was in charge of the mission. Second squad, move up. Was uh, I forget what his name was? So you had Paul Reiser who was the company guy, and then you had the guy who was yeah. in charge of the mission, and he had never done any combat drops mm-hmm. before, so he's dropping into this atmosphere. He'd never done any. He he did like three or something like that, and then you have a pwn who is like the the squad leader, platoon leader, and this is a dude who knows what's going on.
2: All right, sweethearts,
0: what are you waiting for? Breakfast in bed?
1: And even, the, even like the grunts know more than the guy yeah, who's in charge.
0: Yeah. Another glorious day in the Corps.
1: And it's that whole idea of there is this, there are these sergeants, there are these non-commissioned soldiers who are, they're not officers.
0: Day in the Marine Corps is like a day on the farm.
1: But in some cases, they actually know more than the officers who were in charge.
0: Heavy meals and banquet, Every paycheck of fortune,
1: Every formation of parade. I love the call. You have more respect and more pull with the men or the, the soldiers than, than the right. officers do. What do you want me to do, fetch your slippers for you? And Tyrell yep. is that guy. Fall in, people. You know, which I, I, I thought was such a, it was and it was a great way to illustrate it too, just in the little ways. Like, Crashdown wants to send mm-hmm. one guy, and Tyrell's like, no, we can't just send right. one guy. I you hate know? this job. Let me let me take, you know, Callie and go yeah. with him.
2: Have you ever been mistaken for a man?
1: No, have you? And 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 Tyrell ends up being right. I mean, even though, you know, Tarn, poor went out for Tarn doesn't make it. He just too bad. You know, we we hardly knew ye, Orlando Bloom look alike.
2: <laughs> That's right.
1: But uh, and as but just that whole thing, and then even the fact that Sasinus doesn't right. make it. Like they they go through all of this. They get a guy killed and. Right, it doesn't right. matter.
2: It, it ends up not mattering at all. Um, and Damn!
1: Yeah, it kind of doubles the blood on Crashdown's hands, but it's also one of those deals, like, stuff right, happens. Right,
2: And and it was interesting no. for them to play it out that way, because it, it wasn't... I, I never looked at that this episode or any of the ones that follow, because I, I don't think it's until the next episode, the one we're going to talk about that's one of yours, um, where it gets worse for Crashdown. It... it I don't feel like they ever played it in a way that he was going down an evil path. I think he was trying to do, he was trying to do the right thing in his head based on his experience. You know what I mean? And, and they were writing yes. him in that situation to kind of show what can, you know, how things can go wrong when you have someone who, you know, he, he certainly outranked Tyrrell. He had every right to be, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, not enforcing, but, but kind of, um, you know reminding Tyrell that he's you know he's the ranking officer you know they follow his orders but you see it Mm -hmm. kind of go this almost like this apocalypse now path you know where he just are my methods unsound you can tell even he knows he's losing control of the situation but he's just so stuck to the plan you know of, of what he thinks he should do like by the book that it just goes way off the rails I don't
1: see any method well, you know, it, it, honestly, you know, Ryan is a and it's a silly comparison, but I'll say it anyways, because that's that's what we that's our stock and trade really that's is, right. is silliness. You remember yes. Apollo 13 and they they had to swap out Gary Sinise's character for uh, mm-hmm. Kevin Bacon. Let's do it! And so they're in the simulator before they launch and they throw this weird thing at him in the simulator because that's what you do. And Kevin Bacon is, you know. They, they start rolling and he's, he's, I'm going to manual. And he starts, he takes manual control. And you see the look between Tom Hanks and um, Bill Paxton. Game over, man. And they're looking at each other like, what the mm. heck is this guy doing? And so he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to keep in. And, and the G's start going. He's like, I'm going to keep in this roll and see if I can get us out. And it's that kind of thing of knowing, like I probably just made a really bad decision, but I got to stick with it. Cause I don't, I don't know what else to do. And you start getting into that spiraling that spiral where there's fewer and fewer and fewer options game over you've 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 gotten to a point where you have committed so far you have no you no longer right, have a way right. out you finished you're now just playing out the string and you're you're really not making you think you're making choices right but you're really not you're just playing out the string until this you yep. till you hit zero yep. and i really feel like that's what it was with him like and it's i think they play i think the actor and they, the actor played it really well and the writers played it really wrote it really well of him almost having that somewhat of that knowledge you oh can yeah see it yeah like you were saying like he he kind of understands like how screwed up the situation is and how much and there's times
2: that Tyro tells him this is what we should be doing and you can almost see it in the way he acts it that he knows Tyrrell's right but he he kind mm-hmm. of maybe not in the early going but in later on it just becomes a just a spiral out of control and and it's you know I struggle calling it a horror of war because they're not really they're getting shot at at times, but it's not like they're on the front lines in this sort of ground battle. It's them, you know, they crashed. They're, they're just trying to, to get out of, you know, the enemy's sights and kind of reassess the situation and figure out how do they get, you know, in a position where they can get rescued by someone from Galactica. And, um, and it's just that inexperience just ends up making the situation worse for them just every step they take.
1: Well, I think you could almost make a case of it being horror because – when you think about the circumstances, they're on a they're on a planet that, you know, even though they know they they think it's cobalt, you have no idea if Galactica's is coming back for right, it, really, right. because honestly, you're you've been so close to being annihilated this far. I mean, hey, if it's if it's more than one base star, maybe if it's two base stars, Galactica just got blown out of the sky, and we're right. never getting picked up, and we're just we have no options. Yeah.
2: Yep.
1: So I I don't know. I kind of. I don't know what to call it, though. I don't know. I'm not knowledgeable enough in the horror genre to say what kind. But I still think it is. Yeah, it's not psychological.
2: It's not, um, like I said, direct war. It's just it's somewhere in in between where it's just a a struggle to survive and just making just wrong choices, you know, along the way that, that just worsens the situation with every step. Yeah. Um, the only other thing with yep. Cobalt, and then we'll move on to Caprica real quick, is um, is just the vision that uh, Baltar has um, with concerning the this this prophesied baby, um, and yes. just that whole scene. And again, this definitely plays into the horror kind of genre where he has this vision of Adama um, taking the baby from him, um, or or at least out of the the um, bassinet that it's in. Oh, okay. He does take it out of Baltar's hands. Okay, so...
1: Yeah, Adama... Well, he doesn't take it. Adama asks him, may I hold it? And he gives it to Adama, which I think is... It almost plays into that horror even more. He willingly gave the... Yeah, uh, yeah, and and then Adama
2: basically takes it, marches into a river, and just submerges it, holds it down, and then just turns around and walks away. And Baltar's just watching this, like, with absolute horror on his face, and he then tries to grab the baby out of the water and... Um, and is 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 unsuccessful and i think the idea is that this is predicting events that are to come where um you know that that six is trying to show him that adama is going to be um trying to take this baby away from them and and you know he he needs to be uh cognizant of that um when he returns and so so it was just kind of an interesting uh you know it, it's getting the show starts more and more now getting more into these kind of, uh, you know, spiritual planes, so to speak of, of prophecy and just kind of the direction of, of, where events are going, um, that, that start yeah. to inform, you know, especially Baltar where he has that, that sort of mental projection of six and, and that influences his actions and the way and the things that he says and does. Um, but clearly his, his purpose with being on COBOL was to kind of inform him of what was to come with regard to this baby. And then of course, as the season starts to play on, we start to see those things play out in reality.
1: Yeah. And I think it's, I, I think it's, it's one of those deals where it's funny because in a way it is totally the thing. Like Adama would totally, is totally trying to just, he would love to just kill all the Cylons. He would love to annihilate them because they're a threat. And that's, you know, they've, they've killed millions, uh, more than likely billions of people. Um, But yet, you know, if if the Cylons really kind of know, I think they're messing with I think they're fracking with Baltar's head. They're trying to manipulate him and they're doing it in in a very subtle way where they're using just enough truth that he knows about Adama. But yet then also mixing in a lot of speculation and going probably to a place where. Man, I don't I mean, when push comes to shove, I don't know if Adama would go there. I really don't. And I mean as as much as Adama wants to win, I don't know. I really feel like that's it's very subtle and brilliant mm-hmm. manipulation by by Six and the Cylons, yeah. I yeah. think. Or I mean, but then again, is it is it really the Cylons planting that in his head or is that are we talking a whole manipulation of Baltar or is it does it come down to one of those, you know, it is a religious vision?
2: Yeah, and and, and that's a good point. I mean, I I th- I think it's interesting what you're proposing with it being the Cylons because we really don't know yet, or are we? I don't think we ever really truly understand where the vision of six comes from. Um, you know, they, they mm. talk about him potentially having a chip in his head or something like that, but um, I tend to lean more toward kind of the it, it plays into the the religious spiritual aspect of of the show where I think there there is this being that is kind of influencing or trying to at, mom- at times influence events to keep them alive, you know, and to keep them going f- yeah. to, to deliver them to the ultimate goal of, of finding this new home. So, yeah, so I, I think it's interesting that it does seem to be a bit of manipulation because, you know, as we end up seeing in, you know, not too long, uh, not too far after, I think maybe I'm getting a little bit into 2.5, but um, – but you start to see some of that play out in reality with some of the suggestions that are made, you know, by Rosalind and Adama, you know, regarding the the baby that Sharon's going to have.
1: Yeah, it starts getting real, oh, yeah. real messy uh,
2: And with that stuff. One last thing is in Caprica. So we don't have to go too deep on that one, because I think of all the things Caprica is probably maybe not as much in that horror genre, but it is kind of there. There is that ominous piano music um, that, that. Yeah so sorry switching to Caprica so we have Starbuck and Hilo and they kind of hole up in uh an old apartment that that Starbuck had um oh oh my gosh and and they're just kind of like sitting there and just kind of thinking back and and just kind of reminiscing a little bit and you know she pulls out the cigar and fires it up and um you know, she talks about how, you know, her father played piano and, and you, you, you kind of start to see a little bit about Starbucks uh, backstory a little bit, you know, and it, it's it, it just kind of yeah. if anything, they're kind of the moment of breath in the episode between all of the chaos and horror that's going
1: on. Yeah. And I think the I think that moment she has where, you know, everybody else is trying to get back to what they had and you kind of realize what yeah. she had and it's not yep. that much. I mean, after. After Zach Adama is dead, what does Starbuck really have? She's got, she's got being a pilot, and she's kind of got like this art, this artistic side, and and a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a yep. lot of baggage, yep. you know. But that's she really doesn't have much, and and I think that really just it was another one of those character moments where you realize like, oh wow, you know, Starbuck is is this kind of brash character, but she's also a, a right. tragic character. I thought that, and again, it was one of those ways of just layering in some character, and also just ha- giving you kind of a break yeah, in that yeah. episode.
2: And and but having that piano music keep that kind of tone of, of dread going because yeah. that piano oh, was, music oh it's beautiful, beautiful music. but it is very ominous.
1: Totally, another example of uh, uh, Bear McCreary, which I didn't realize he didn't do the music for the the miniseries. He only came on board uh, at the beginning of oh, the first season fantastic job by him
2: so so overall this one um i mean we're talking top three this was my number two
1: yeah and it was and it was a great another great thing is uh, it just even though the the first the first episode really kind of picked up the ball from season one and started running of it i think this this episode really set the tone for season oh yeah And,
2: and just based on the fact that we've been going on and on about it for so long i mean it is a dense episode and, 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 it has a lot. Yeah.
1: And it's, it is totally oh, worth absolutely. talking about. It's, it is one of those episodes where there's so much, it was like the episode, uh, I can't even remember what it was last, last time, but we talked about it. And I was like, and that's just the first 20 minutes.
2: <laughs> right. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> it was like six really huge plot points that other, other shows would be like, this is right. an entire episode. No, That's the first 20 minutes of this yep. episode. Deal with it. Keep running yep. Sparky. Keep yep. up.
0: Absolutely.
1: All right, so uh, I guess we ought to move on to the next episode, uh, which is going to be one of my favorites. Uh, and this is episode – oh, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Go, let's go back just for one second. So you were saying before I rudely interrupted you, Valley of Darkness was your second
2: favorite yeah, out so, of three? Yeah, so the, the three that three? I picked, and I'll go in order of how they were my favorite, is episode 10. So the last episode of of, the, of season 2.0 was called Pegasus. So that was my top one. We'll get into that yep. later. Um, the second one was what we just talked about, Valley of Darkness. And then the third one was the seventh episode of of that season called Home Part Two. So those are my three, but Mm -hmm. we'll walk them in in sequential order.
1: Well, so my top three were uh, the third episode of the second season, uh, Fragged, uh, the fourth episode, Resistance, and then the ninth episode, Flight of the Phoenix, in that order, which is kind of odd. I don't know if it's maybe I'm just a chronological (laughs) SOB.
2: You're so structured i know
1: in this the rest of my life eh, not Yahtzee. so much um so <laughs> thank you for dredging that up i'll at least have something to talk about in therapy go. this week um actually this is my therapy You're which is sad You're uh but you know it's all my HMO will pay for <laughs> anyway uh i love it the doom doom uh so anyways my uh my top well, the next one mm-hmm. is Fragged, Episode 3. The summary for that is Ty, overwhelmed by the responsibility of command, as we see things went downhill quickly, deals with the growing political tension throughout the fleet, which the one thing I'm noticing with these summaries is I don't feel they're very yeah. great. You know, if you just read the summaries, because that leaves out a whole oh, lot yeah. of oh, what absolutely. goes on. Um, so one of the things I noticed is that in the at least this one and then Resistance, and they never when they when these were broadcast, you didn't see the title with right. like with a lot of TV shows before streaming. You never really saw the title of the episode, yep. you know. Um, so they could be about anything. So uh, the 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 title "Fragged," "Frag" definition verb: deliberately kill an unpopular senior officer with a hand grenade. So this is what we're talking about when we're talking about "Fragged." Um, so it basically. I love how this episode and the next episode, the the title has a dual meaning, because this is the episode, of course, where um, spoilers, uh, crash down is yes. killed.
2: Yep, yep.
1: You know, um, and then, but also, it, to me, I thought this was a great example. It was an example of Ty fragging oh, yeah. himself, like. He totally screws mm-hmm. the pooch in this, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but so anyway, it, but the summary leaves out everything that happens on Kobal, which I'm like, that is the that's the crux of the episode. Who wrote right. this? Right. Like I, I want to actually get a Wikipedia account so that I can edit this. <laughs> I won't because I'm lazy. So I believe in the previous episode is when we find out um, it's when Baltar mm-hmm. kind of wanders off. Uh, so in Valley of Darkness, he wanders off and six wakes him up and there's he's surrounded yeah. by skulls. Yeah. And we find out that on COBOL, uh, there was Mm -hmm. human sacrifice and, and six basically says, you know, this humankind's mankind's one true talent Mm -hmm. is murder. Yeah, It's killing. That is the one thing that you, you are truly good at. That is your art, which is really hard Mm. to deal with. You know, it's really hard to kind of deal with that as well, human beings. So, um, this this episode really also represents the beginning of Ty's downward spiral of bad decisions. And of course, Ellen is highly... Involved. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah,
2: I'm, I'm glad you said that.
1: Ellen and alcohol are like the are like the spark and the... I mean, it's like, here's a gallon of kerosene and a lighter. Right. Go have fun, right. kids. <laughs> I mean, oh my goodness. Just so much bad stuff starts happening, you know? And so you have the guys, the folks on COBOL... Uh, so Sinus is dead, and they find the Cylons. Um, they're they're trying to find a way off the planet. They're reconning. They find the Heavy Raider. They find the Cylons. And it turns out, you know, they're, they're going to try and steal the Heavy Raider, but then they realize they're actually putting together, um, they think at first, a missile battery to basically take out the entire valley. Then they realize it's an anti-aircraft right. battery um, that will take down any rescue party that's yep. coming for yep. them. Um, so then Crashdown has a brilliant idea of... You know, storming the the Cylons and taking them out, stealing the Heavy Raider, and getting off the planet, which doesn't go well to say <laughs> no, the least. It does not. Could everyone stop getting shot? So then you also have the whole thing with with Ty and Rosalind, Ellen's. You know, like oh, and Rosalind's going crazy, and this and that and the other, and you know, and Ty's just doing stupid stuff by the second, and drinking more and more and more. And, more. and I mean, it's just he's oh, he's my he's gosh.
2: drinking, he's getting. Um... You know, just really – there's just a lot of angst, you know, and and frustration coming out when he talks to different members of the crew. Um, Mm -hmm. Ellen, we're starting to understand more what Adama meant in season one uh, after they had their dinner about how she brings out the worst in him. Not because – you know, not just because she encourages the drinking, but but also because – She feeds into his worst fears about himself, you know, and and she breaks his confidence in just very subtle ways, um, you know, challenging him about, you know, uh, about like like his, uh, you know, why do you look up to Adama? This is your command now. This is you know, she she just is this like devil on his shoulder, just feeding him all of this stuff. And then when you lump in the fact that he's you know, three sheets to the wind. It just doesn't add up to a, to a, a a good, you know, a good resolution.
1: Well, the funny thing is you could almost look at, and again, this could be complete horse crap because I'm just thinking of it now. So I'll try and work this out in real time and hope that it turns out well, but you could say, Oh, well, Ellen's the devil on his shoulder and Adama's the angel, which I wouldn't agree with because I would actually say Ellen is the devil and the angel because she does care mm-hmm. about this guy. She wants to see him succeed. She and you can you can look at what she's doing and if you try and strip things away, she does want to see him succeed. She wants to see him excel. She believes in him so much that he can do it. And I mean, yeah, there's definitely some she wants to be the the wife of the important right, guy. Right. But you can also tell and maybe I'm doing this because I've also have the the background of the next two and a half seasons to draw on. But you can tell that she does care about this guy. She wants him to succeed. She really believes in him in in some deep way like there is a love there. It is completely messed up, dysfunctional and Mm -hmm. unhealthy. But there is some form of love there. And so even though she's like, you know, she means well, she's doing it like the worst possible way like the worst, most dysfunctional way you could possibly do Oh, absolutely.
2: Do and, and rather than encouraging him or, you know, kind of being supportive, she just finds these destructive ways to kind of tear into him um, and and to also yeah. to, to, to take advantage of the weakness of others. I mean, you know, I mean, it's funny. We've gone this long. We haven't discussed or, or you know, brought up the fact that Adama is basically – uh you know recovering from the the gunshot wounds he suffered at the end of season one so he's you know he's really been out of the picture for the first three episodes
1: well he's been the funny thing is even though he's been out of the picture he's still a character because they still have ty going down to visit him which i thought was such a great thing like he he is tied so tightly Mm -hmm. to this man like if he weren't married you know, like this would be the love of his life. Would right. be Bill Adama. Like, and I'm not trying to say that in any uh, in implication or anything. I'm just saying, like, this he genuinely right. loves Bill right. Adama. Like, he would he would take a bullet for him. Like, if he could have jumped in front of the, bu- the uh, in front of Boomer, yeah. I, I think he yeah. would have without a, without a second thought. Like, he just cares that deeply about Adama, and so he it keeps him as a character, even though he's completely right. silent
2: which is brilliant. And she, you know, you know rather, than, rather than trying to support him and, and try to help him kind of navigate some of this stuff, she, you know, sees that Adama is still recovering, so Ties in control. And then the conversation she has with Rosalind as Rosalind's going through these withdrawal symptoms because she hasn't been having, you know, the, the, the medicine she's been taking for the cancer um, and sees yeah. that she's just rambling and is just like, you know, completely out of her mind.
1: Oh, and her first instinct is how can exactly I say this to my you advantage? know. So,
2: so, so then that's oh. when she plants the bug in in Saul's ear to go, and you know the Quorum of Twelve want to talk to her, and he's refusing because he's just you know refusing everything unless he thinks it's you know unless it's something I think that he agrees with or comes from him, and then she plants the seed about have let, let him go talk to her. They're they're going to go talk to her and see she's a nut job, and now, and so yeah. he's like, oh, okay, because then you know now that. You know, once he can basically discredit her, he has, you know, the the door isn't open for him to basically kind of take full control because now the president is, is out of the picture. The vice president is stranded on COBOL and, you know, being Baltar. And, and, you know, so there's no power structure at this point.
1: Oh, exactly. And I mean, I believe now because, again, and, and let me just say this right now. First of all, I want to give you. A huge amount of credit because of when we did our first season mm-hmm. podcast you watched every yeah, episode <laughs> like you you did your homework <laughs> i i did not i i relied on memory cliff notes and just skimming by by the mm-hmm. skin of my teeth teeth which should really just be the title <laughs> of my high school memoir
2: you're a slacker oh boy
1: and this episode this this season i i, I actually did watch mm-hmm. all the episodes but i I'm realizing I don't know these episodes individually as well as I thought, as I did with episode one, like each, each episode of, of season one, really to me, I could identify the boundaries for this one. It it blends. So I believe this is the episode though, where Ty, basically the, the ships aren't going to resupply Galactica. Ty orders the Marines out to the different ships to resupply them. And then he has to put pilots in charge of some of the, of some of the Marine, Mm-hmm. Uh, units and they end up having that uh, that incident on the Gideon, where somebody does something and then you know somebody shoots and you're not entirely sure who shoots first, but for but mm-hmm. civilians are killed. I believe that was this
2: episode. Yeah, I'm 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 looking ahead to see because no, actually that's the next one. You're uh, yeah, it's it's the next. It one. is. Damn! No, no, Son of it's, a it's mother. It's, but I mean,
1: oh, it is. Yep, yeah, it's for my first note in the next no, episode. No. Never mind. Just forget the last minute. That's all right. And a half but, happened. but
2: basically, yeah, I, I, I think the focus on this one is, is was more with Rosalyn and Saul trying to yeah, to yeah, get that was you know to to trying to not not to complete the coup, but to basically take full control at the behest of his wife, and that yeah. just blows up. I mean, and and they do it so well. Well, and so so yeah, let yeah, me yeah, before good.
1: we get to that. So so on the on the planet you have on on Cobalt. You have Crashdown planning this, this raid. And even though Tyrrell has tried to go against him and tried to pull him aside and be like, we shouldn't be doing this. We ought to try and take the easy way. We can go back, take out the dish. There's no Cylons or whatever. You know, He's, he's trying to get him like, we can't do this. We're right. not soldiers. And Crashdown won't listen to him. And then you have at one point Baltar openly is... Is like, we shouldn't do this. This is wrong, and you're with me. And then he starts to try all this little mutiny. And Tyrrell just backs mm-hmm. him down. Like in that way of 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 like a, a sergeant would. Like a not like a non officer would just back down a private who's talking back to right. some lieutenant. Like, oh, I have no problem just busting mm-hmm. your jaw right now. I have no I would love yeah. to do it, actually. And Tyrrell does that to Baltar, even though he doesn't agree with Crashdown, but he's going to respect the chain of command. Yeah, and Crashdown knows it, and you can just it, like he continues with what he's doing, but you can tell he's almost embarrassed. Right. Like I am, so, like again, like we were talking about before, I'm I'm on such a yeah. bad path right now. Well, but yeah, well, I, I can't stop. I can't. And I, it what got else really bad
2: do? because he basically walks them through. I think it was this textbook application of how to oh, draw up yeah. a battle plan, and he's walking through like the different frame.
1: a five. Five yeah, basically. Briefing. And he's
2: talking and I mean, literally just reading like a script and Terrell's just like
1: Well He's, he's naming the yeah, gra- like, graph one.
2: <laughs> I was I was laugh too. I mean, and then Terrell's just like, I've never seen it applied this directly.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, No, it was, it was <laughs> this literally, I believe. It was, and it's just such a great way of him doing it because he's trying to not basically say this is really right, effing stupid. Right. But he he's like I'm I, I I can't help. There's no good way to right. frame this. Like I'm trying to polish a turd yeah. here, ladies and gentlemen. You can't fix stupid. Um, so they 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 go and do the attack. Everything is wrong because Baltar actually didn't do the recon, quite the way he was supposed to. So Baltar right. has a hand in it. Then they and then Callie won't do what she's supposed to do. What Crashdown's telling her to do. Crashdown puts a gun to her head mm-hmm. and is going to shoot her. And Baltar ends up killing crash down. Yeah. and then you know then of course the cylons know what's happening and everyone's going to die but of course you know the rescue party from galactic is coming and they you know they save the day which i think it was great i think with the um with the moment where where tyrol stands up and it's that it's 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 so trite yet damn it i fall for it every time you know, the whole, the, the guy has no options yeah. left and he's just stands up there with a pistol and he's only got like five shots. He's right, like, ah! right. And all of a sudden, everything in front of him blows up and he looks at the gun like, holy <laughs> crap, did I do that? And then there's the raptor right, right behind him, you know, that, that actually yeah. took them out. I thought that was beautiful because I mean, that to me, I mean, that might get old for other people. It never no, gets old no. for me. I buy no, into that, it every that was, time. That was well done. You know, I'm doing. I was doing the Tiger Woods fist pump in my, in my, <laughs> in my living room. Like, yeah. Um, so then of course all that happens. And then, you know, of course they, they kind of do the whole thing of covering for Crashdown, yeah. you know, cause Baltar says that, you know, he died in the best, you know, spirit of the service or whatever tradition of the service. Yeah. He was a hero and Tyrell yeah. covers for him and agrees with Baltar. So then we get to back to Galactica and this is where, really t- where where Ty frags himself because he gets the quorum of 12 to go down to Rosalind because he thinks right. she's going goofy. And then all of a sudden she snaps into coherence and delivers this message of I am the, the chosen leader and all this and the other. And then he is just like, what the like, hell like he
2: happened? he He made it worse. And, you know, of course, what happens in the interim that he doesn't realize is, you know, Billy and Rosalind talk to the soldier guarding her who happens to be someone who um, mm-hmm. is... is who is from Gemini. I believe that tribe in, in the, um... yeah, that
1: colony is like, is like uber yeah. religious, like yeah, very, they're... very orthodox. That's where, um, in right, right, yeah.
2: the backstory of those tribes, they tend to be, um, probably the strongest spiritually. And so he's, you know, very much a, a follower. And so she explains to him what's going on. He gets her, her medicine uh, in a covert way, um, and so in the intervening time that goes on as Ty brings the quorum of 12 to her, she's already had, you know, kind of her 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 dosage. And so she's come back, like you said, to coherence and to watch that scene play out was just hysterical because you could just see on, on Ty's face the confusion and the realization yep. that this is now just this has now gotten worse <laughs> for me.
1: Oh, Totally, like he, he and hes just so baffled. Like, how could this happen? Like, how did right. it go this badly? How did it go? Because not this only
2: badly? do they view her with respect as a leader, but they're now starting to see, based on events that have happened and and the way that their their version of of scripture reads, that she is seeing herself as this dying leader that's prophesied to take them to to Earth. And so now, so so now you don't just have someone who is elected into office. Now you have someone who is claiming this sort of you know, spiritual, um, what's the word I'm looking for?
1: Well, she was never elected. Or, sorry.
2: You're, you're, you're absolutely right. No, no, she, she got into the role being. So a, any,
1: I mean, she didn't have a ton right. of legitimacy, but now all of a sudden she has like this religious. Right, but now leg- she's legitimacy. like this
2: anointed one who is going to do this. And so now there's even more fervor to follow her <laughs> as opposed to, as opposed to tie. And, um, and then, and so that goes horribly for him. And then I, I think the way that the episode ends with his, uh, I mean, if you don't mind me jumping over to that, unless you had something else, um, no, the, no, the way no, it ends no. with him declaring martial law, which is in complete opposition to what Adama would have done.
1: And what even he right. says he right. won't do. He, go, he goes back on not only what he, the spirit of what he believes Adama would do, he goes back on what he said yep. he would yep. actually do. At the beginning of the episode, I believe. Yep. And then as he walks out, he doesn't even make it 10 feet down the hallway before he's got his flask out. Like he's, yeah. again, it's like, <laughs> the bad decisions just keep yep. on yep. coming. Um, and uh, I thought one of the fun, one of the th- fun, I don't know why I just said fun, but one of the things that I thought was interesting in this was number one, uh, uh, well, we will go with a fun point. So Doc coddle
2: Oh, he's he's hysterical. I might say I'm in a hurry cycle the damn airlock faster. Is this your first uh, day? Just
1: fantastic in this episode because it, he is just he is one of the best like just minor roles on in the entire Battlestar Galactica universe. Just fantastic. Every time he's on screen it's just money. Um, but the thing that really s- uh, stood out to me was after after Baltar shoots crashdown and you have head six saying, now yeah. you're a man. Because she had been talking about, you know, you need to be a man. You need to protect our child and this and that and the other. And then there's a whole idea of, like, mankind's only talent, only art is yeah. murder. So there's that double-edged thing, like, hey, you're you're willing to protect yeah. something. But you also just killed in yeah. cold blood. Yeah. So you're yeah. a man now. You're a man as in you're a human. You know, that whole idea of, like, you killed... Now right. you're really a man. Right. I just thought, I was like, man, that just works on so oh, yeah. many different yeah. levels. It's, they, they the,
2: the layering they do, uh, and and the themes they draw out are just are just fantastic. And then you know, just mm-hmm. one quick last comment on Tyrrell. I I think through these episodes, you know, with them being on Cobalt, they do such a great job of showing his character. And again, it's it's a minor point, but like you've you know, as we've talked about, he sees things going in a not great direction but he still respects the rank you know what i mean and and like you said when when he dresses when he dresses down baltar for challenging crashdown he you know i think that shortly after he you know made the kind of that crack about he's never seen the the five graphs of doom that (laughs) that crashdown's going through applied so literally so you, you know he recognizes the the you know the the situation for what it is, but but the fact that he's his character is such that he he will not violate the chain of command, as you've said.
1: But at the same time, then at the end of the episode, it starts getting a little mm. bit murky because if he really valued, if he, I mean, what does it say about his character that he's willing to lie? I I, th- I took it as I, I
2: think he just had pity for for Crashdown. I I think he could see that Crashdown was way out of his league with this situation, even though he was the ranking officer. And I, I, I think it showed, I mean, it, it's not spelled out this way. This is me interpreting. But I kind of looked at it as he he just had empathy for the kid and and would, would rather yeah. the kid, even though they had to take him out because he just spiraled, that let the man just have an honorable death. You know, he, he, he made a lot of bad choices. He put them in danger. And, yeah, they got out of it. But... You know he he respected him enough to, to kind of at least give him that,
1: which I I totally agree with. But at the same time, there's the argument to be made that he still he's lied. Still, I, absolutely,
2: absolutely, he still lied. Yep. He still nope. covered it up. It's fair.
1: And and I think that again, it adds to that whole um, There's the, something that was uh that in that fir- in the first episode of uh, Battlestar Galacticast that I watched, Mark Bernardin, uh very astutely points out that in this show everyone Mm -hmm. has a secret yeah and so now you know tyrell has had secrets before you know like oh he knew about about boomer uh the fact that the 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 charges that were in that episode water he knew that one of the charges was missing and things like that so he's had a secret before now he has another secret and it's this idea of once you've kept one secret once you've lied once now it becomes easier and easier and easier um, but, and also at the same time, harder and harder and harder to remember right, all your right. lies. Um, so I think it's that idea of like everybody, everybody's got dirty yes. hands. Nobody's getting out of this thing clean.
2: Yeah. There, there, there's always compromises that are being made, whether they're yeah. compromises based, you know, on, you know, th- this wasn't a compromise on honor, but, but like you said, cause it's lying, but I, I think the intentions were meant to be good. Um, but totally but it, totally but it but I mean, at the, the end
1: character. of the day yeah. yeah um all right so let's move on to the next episode we're we're somewhat on track but we the unfortunate thing is we're probably still <laughs> on track for like three hours uh
2: i think at this point sorry, you can folks. layer in some zeppelin ramble on at this point <laughs> on! i don't oh, know true. we might
1: get sued that's true i'll see what i can do uh, so uh, the next episode up on our list is uh, actually the second one on my top three. Uh, the fourth episode, uh, Resistance, which is the immediate follow-up from Fragged. So the, the summary of this one is, Ty's imposition of martial law sparks protests in the fleet. Meanwhile, Starbuck and Hilo discover additional survivors on Caprica. Um, so as you rightly called out, this is the, the opening scene where you have um, ships refusing to uh, mm-hmm. resupply Galactica. You have a riot going on in the Gideon. Uh, Ty sends in Marines with pilots in charge. There are deaths of civilians because nobody knows exactly what happens. Um, and the kind of the the kind of the interesting thing here is too, you have another great Doc Coddle moment of you know Ty like oh, how could this have happened, and you have Doc Coddle like you put a pilot in charge of
2: you know <laughs> of a Marines. What did you expect? <laughs> Like,
1: kind of, kind of like playing the part yes. of the audience. Like, seriously, Ty, you can ask that out loud. You gotta love a, a doctor face. who
2: smokes while he's working.
1: <laughs> oh, good Lord. In front of a cancer patient.
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh. that That character is fantastic.
1: Non-smokers die every day. <laughs> Sleep tight. Oh my gosh! So again, this just represents more and more and more and more and more, just spiraling. Um, Can 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 I just
2: just for a moment of levity though? May May I just say I don't know why this I don't know why this stood out to me, but it just did when I watched this episode. The very first time we see Baltar, all right, so he's back on Galactica. You know, still a little worse for wear from 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 what happened on Kobol, but here he is, Vice President, Mm -hmm. dressed in a suit. Walking the halls of the Galactica holding a tumbler of coffee. Yeah, I come down to Duncan every day. Grab a crawler, have an extra lodge, three parliaments, take a big dump. That's kind of the routine. I'm just, I looked at that and I'm like, did they mean to do that? Or did James Callis just walk on a set and just, I'm just going to play it? You know what I mean? It's just like, of, of all the things you would expect to see in like a sci-fi show, it, a tumbler of coffee was not one of them. You want to talk real customers? Kid, that's me. I'm like the mayor of Dunkin's.
1: But yet it's, it's very <laughs> it is, grounding, because I mean, dude, you got to have- you I mean, he even takes a swig from it, too. I mean,
2: it's, it's, it's like another day at the office for the man. Yeah, totally. know, just tickled the funny bone, so. <laughs> Son of a-
1: Sorry. I- for background, I've been battling a fly in my office, <laughs> and I—I I thought I had it. I thought I had it, and
2: it just fly ugh. fifty-four. Todd zero.
1: <laughs> I will have oh my, my revenge. Gosh.
2: He's gonna go full emperor before this is over.
1: I—I I have a very specialized <laughs> set of skills.
2: Okay, Liam.
1: <laughs> actually, actually, you know what? It's it's closer to Caddyshack. <laughs> They seem to kill gophers.
2: Before we know it, he'll have a few holes in his roof, so it'll be all good.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. But I'll have the, that fly. I fly swear it gone. to you.
2: Uh,
1: so again, and this is another one where I, the double right. meaning, because you have the resistance mm-hmm. on Caprica, but you also have this resistance with uh, Laura Roslin escaping from Galactica. And uh, so there's this little, you know, this kind of uh, conspiracy going with Lee working with Dewalla to try and set up this yeah. escape for the president. Yeah. Um, and I think it's great because also it just, again, it just kind of illustrates, again, why well Ty is such a <laughs> frack up. Why would Adama keep him? But even as a drunk, he almost catches the escape. Did you notice that yeah. when you watched the episode? Like, he he almost caught, well, why is Causeway yeah. B shut down? And D has, uh, uh, for uh, this and that and the other. Arr, yeah. Get it fixed. Oh, he, he's, you know, he's in full like, grumpus he mode he al- at this point, too. He almost yeah. caught yeah. them. And and this is like, the dude was probably, you know, four sheets oh, to the wind goodness. at that point. Um, so then, of course, you have the, the the Roslyn escape, which is fantastic because, of course, they have to escape and go mm-hmm. to Tom Zarek, which, of course, brings Richard Hatch back into the mix, which is fantastic because, I mean, you can't get enough of, like, old Apollo, the new enemy Apollo scenes, My enemy as far as
2: I'm concerned. My
1: yes. And... Um, and it, it, so you have that whole, you know, oh, my gosh. Uh, Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong notes. Sorry. I was looking at notes for Fragged. I'm like, I just <laughs> talked about that. Um, and, and I think the, 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 you have the other interesting bit, of, again, kind of informed a little bit by um, having watched The Plan, which is kind of the – goes back to the first right. couple seasons here. From the Cylon perspective, but when Starbuck and Hilo meet up with the with the Resistance on Caprica, which is essentially mm-hmm. a pyramid team that just happened to be high altitude training, and they survived. It's like a total like, hey, let's do the let's do Red Dawn except with high sc- instead of high school kids, we'll do it with this mythical yes. sports yeah. team, right? which was great. Um, and then uh, at the end of the episode, you have Adama. You know, making his triumphant return. Well, not necessarily triumphant. He's in a bathrobe, um, but he still sits down. Yeah, and, a drink and, time. and
2: he's. But he comes in at a moment when you know Ellen is very vocally again, kind of berating him and, and mm-hmm. berating him in terms of taking over command of, of the ship. And and so it, it the the yeah. way they do that was was just you know so spot on because you're just seeing this this argument play out toward the end and the last thing you expect is to hear Adama's voice. So when you hear his voice, it is so jarring, you know, it, it really yeah. just kind of makes you sit up and is like, what, what happened there? And I mean, and that's of course what Saul does. And he, he sees that it's him and, and, you know, within the first 30 seconds of, of sitting down, he's, you know, he's already kind of just said, you know what, whatever messes you've made, we we'll, are we're, we're going to clean them up together. You know, like, like he's, he's right away that voice of reason to bring you know some some uh, some balance to what was you know a very unbalanced you know salt tie,
1: yeah. And I think the I think the reason why you see that happen is because even like Adama's waking up from being shot and being on the operating table mm-hmm. twice, I believe, because they they um, the the nurse had to operate on him the first time, and then Cottle had to operate him on on right. him again because right. he had an infection uh or no he was a, he was internal bleeding and one of his first thoughts when he wakes up is i got to get the tie because i know ellen is messing with his
2: head and things are going bad <laughs> he, yeah he, he knew right out of the gate what was going on
1: that had to have been one of the top three yeah. thoughts in his head in order to get him up off of that icu like mm-hmm. out of a coma. And down to Ty's quarters. I mean, he had to have been like, "Ellen is going to mess this whole thing up." I I can't even imagine what shape he's in at this yeah. point. So I think that that was that makes it, in retrospect, a little bit more endearing. Like he is so like, I got to yeah. get to my guy. Right. Like this, he is going to be so. He's going to be in such bad shape right, at this right. point. <laughs> right, and <laughs> then um, and. And then, of course, we have the Jack Ruby moment at the end of this. Well, b- b-
2: before we get to We've that, th- there's a little bit of information that gets revealed to us through something that Ty orders, which is when Tyrrell gets back, he orders him into the brig mm-hmm. uh, to be interrogated because, he, because Ty at this point believes Tyrrell could be a Cylon because of his relationship with Boomer. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, which is funny on a couple different levels. It is. Really, but
2: but it. what's really funny is <laughs> or, or interesting is then he has he commissions Baltar um you know
1: who shows up in like a white doctor's yes. coat with the gloves and the like the little the little leather satchel and everything. I mean, yep. oh my gosh. Where did they where did he Well, find he had to put down his that.
2: tumbler of coffee first. And then
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, obviously. But
2: but Baltar goes in and he basically gives uh, Tyrrell this dose of something that is going to kill him, and he, you know, basically asks Sharon. I, I guess Ty didn't order this. I, I forget what motivation uh, Baltar had for doing this.
1: Well, no, he's gonna. He had a. He was supposed to go and test Tyrrell for ah, being okay. a Cylon. Okay and and because and baltar says oh because he went through the whole like your Cylon detector can't work and and Baltar gets caught with like he knew that that boomer was right. a Cylon and passed her anyways because everyone got passed at that point but he uh but he goes down to test supposedly to test Tyrell and of course gives him the the stuff and and wants to to work boomer over boomer over and, for and information. basically
2: asks her how many more models are there and we learned from her that there's well,
1: 8. He asked how many more Cylons there are Oh, in is Fleet. that what
2: you, I Oh, I thought it was the models.
1: No, because because Adama already knows how many models oh,
2: there are. Oh, okay.
1: Remember cuz he had that little slip of paper that I don't know if we ever really found out where that came from. There are yeah. this many models. Um and man it is but he asked he asked how many and I I'm actually curious. And I don't know the answer to this because I've never followed it up. Was she right, or did she just guess? Did she oh just throw out yeah, because I yeah, don't know. Yeah, you're, you're right. Eight other silent. fleet. Yeah. And I mean, so, and is that counting the final five? Or right, I, I'm not right. sure. You know what I mean? So, anyways, uh, so yeah, I mean that, and that I totally forgot that. I spaced that. Um, and then, of course, but then after that, we get our Jack Ruby moment where then Boomer gets killed, which neatens that up because basically Baltar reveals to her, like, hey, I knew right, you were a Cylon.
0: for right. you!
1: I just didn't say anything. And so that secret goes yeah. out with her. Um, and you get Callie shooting Boomer and, you know, yep. end of episode. Uh, but I just, I love this because, again, it's just that whole, like, it just continues the spiral, and then you also have the juxtaposition of the the just out of control stuff happening on Galactica with, you know, Starbuck and Hilo trying to just survive on, right. on Caprica, and finding this resistance and not, you know, kind of just not even knowing exactly what to do. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> Starbuck knows what to do. Um, or, or who. <laughs> But um
2: yeah she she forgets about she she forgets about Apollo pretty quick so
1: Well and it's a, it's that thing like you you do start to understand a little bit more about who Starbuck is Starbuck is you know is this tragic character of like she kind of believes like everything is going to get messed up because of her but yet she still wants she still wants right. to reach out right. she still wants to experience love she still wants that but she just doesn't know she just kind of does it in a whole like, hey, eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow I might right. get blown out of the right. sky kind of thing. Like, it's very moment to moment with her.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Um, which is one of those reasons why I think that character is kind of you know, appealing to people, because you're like, oh, wow, I wish I could live in the moment. It's like, well, not really, because <laughs> Kara messes things up plenty on her own, too. She has right. her own yeah. share of stuff. She's got some battle scars, dude. But I just thought that was a great episode because, again, it, it really it really delved it, it just pushed yep. Ty down deeper at the same time of, of then making it making it more dramatic for Adama to come help kind of clean things up and also further the idea of of what's going on. Yeah. on oh, oh, yeah. And and, and that's know. what
2: it, you know, we, we talk kind of at a high level about just in general what we like about the show and the fact that you know, when you look at this this season 2.0, I mean, th- yeah, the, the first five episodes are really about that, you know, k- kind of the spiraling for Ty and, you know, finishing in five with, you know, Adama coming back and starting to, to get some order back. And then the next five that that, fl- that follow from that, and this will lead into, um, the at least chronologically, my next episode around Home Part 2, is now we get kind of redirected back to the focus of, where is Earth? And that that goal, you yeah. you know, like like I, I so enjoy the fact that that they they find ways to to come up with these kind of smaller you know waypoints that they're trying to get to in the story without constantly kind of harping on the fact that they need to find a planet to live on at some point. You know, I mean, it's 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 a reality that's yeah. there. But you know, season one, we never heard anything about Earth really until. I don't even think until the end of the season. I really don't think that really ever came up until we got to this season, and then it started to pick up steam a bit more.
1: Yeah, it wasn't a major point. I think what they've man- what they managed to do really well is find ways to distract you from that overarching like because that was a thing uh, in all the the opening things. Is you know all these people and they you know they're looking for a home yeah. or whatever. They they managed to find ways to distract you from that for several episodes so it didn't become this whole we're going to earth we're going to earth we're going to earth we're going to earth sort of thing like every single week and they managed to find things that were big enough that when they distracted they distracted like this is something that totally would be consuming for the crew for for the fleet for for the main characters enough that they're like hey we can i'm not worried about earth i'm worried about whether or not the cylons are going to vent us out into space i'm worried about whether or not you know uh Ty is drunk enough that he's going to get us all killed this week. Um, you know, all those things are big enough distractions so that you're not like it's plausible that they would not be thinking yeah. about Earth right. for a little bit. You know, or, or or that that wouldn't be the number one focus. It would always be in the back of their minds, but dude, I got to deal with this stuff right, right in front of me here. Like, well, this dude right here is and, drunk and in CIC. I, I don't know if
2: you if, if you watch the the show Lost in its entirety, but the the f- the, the first season not. of that show, um, w- one of the reasons I think season two felt somewhat like the air had gotten sucked out of the room or that there was a, a gap in that season is because season one so focused on the survivors of that island getting a raft out, you know, to kind of, you know, the, the kind of hopeful we're going to send a few of us out to kind of get help. And, and that, that whole story mm-hmm. takes a, a weird twist at the end of season one. That when you come into season two you're kind of like you like like the raft being analogous to them go, finding earth you know what i mean and mm-hmm. once you kind of set off on that when you got to season two there was a like reorientation you had to do with the audience because now that wasn't there, there wasn't a goal out there you know what i mean like like there was no yeah. real goal and I think that's why that season suffered somewhat and why, why the, the story kind of... I mean, it got back on track at points and then you know people have different feelings about how the rest of it went. But, um, but I feel like that's a good example of, here's what happens when you put too many of your eggs into this basket of, here's this goal we're shooting for and now we're going to totally radically shift in a different direction, but you're not really sure what it is. And, and I think what the writers here do is a nice job of almost like setting these smaller goals. So you are, you're, you kind of have a sense of what the immediate thing is at the moment and why it's important um, without losing yeah. sight of the larger goal. And, and then they're not harping on it constantly. you know. So it's it's not this thing that ends up getting kind of worn out by the time they actually want to pay it off.
1: So the funny thing is um, – oh, hang on a minute. I need to find uh, the miniseries. Hang on. So – Lost, uh, first episode, aired September 22nd, 2004. The miniseries um, for Battlestar Galactica was 2004, but I can't... I don't see... Oh, it was, a, it, it was released in December 2003. Mm. So actually, Galactica's miniseries predated yeah. Lost. Of course, I mean, there's so much production stuff that happens before that. But it is kind of funny that you get these two shows that that kind of had very I mean I've heard people talk about Lost. I never got into it. I kind of wish I had. I've tried. I probably should just go back and
2: I mean it's dive it, yeah, it's it. got that episodic feel to it. You know, yeah. why not? Yeah.
1: But I've heard so many people, you know, talk about Lost and Battlestar Galactica is kind of in yes. similar terms in terms of how the story would fold in on itself and things like that. You know, and it's kind of funny that you get them both at that same yes. time yep. period. So moving on, uh, next episode up is uh, the next one on your list, which is Home Part 2, which is episode number 7, which I believe this was the third.
2: Yeah, this was would be ranked number 3, yep.
1: So the summary of this one is Roslyn and her followers continue their search for the tomb of Athena on Kobal as Adama travels there to reunite the
2: fleet. Yeah, so this one I picked because... Uh, with uh, w- with home part one, the fleet ends up fragmenting. There, there's a segment of it that follows Rosalind back to Kobal. Um, that
1: mm-hmm. like a third. Yeah, of the yeah
2: you're right. It's about a third of the fleet go go to Kobol So, and those ships are largely, um, you know, those are not warships in any way, shape, or form. So they're exposed to a degree. Um, but you know this this idea that she's this um, anointed one now that's going to lead them is starting to propagate throughout the fleet and so you know what what Saul kind of didn't accomplish is 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 accelerating at a pace that that they can't control and and it's interesting cuz home part 1 was very much like you know kind of a study of Adama in terms of him you know trying to not go back to the way things were but but being very firm in his stance on what he felt was right you know he was very upset about yeah. the way apollo handled the situation he's upset with rosalind for challenging his authority
0: you will respect my authority!
2: and, and even at, at a certain point just you know is very just stubborn and pig-headed about the, the way this is playing out
1: well and also with starbuck too cuz right. she's she played a part in this
2: right. going down right so, back so to he Catherine. feels that she betrayed him as well and then you know he has that discussion with duala where uh, and i meant to watch it again cuz the Oh, which is yeah, it's just a great awesome. exchange where he finally realizes the flaw in his thinking, and talking with her yeah. and, and getting her input and and I again I don't have it in front of me so.
1: Well, in the fun, it, there was a moment in that that I just loved, and I uh, Candace McClure is the is the actress who mm-hmm. plays duwala who was such an underrated oh, yeah. part of this show. I every time I see her on there, I'm on like in a scene, I'm yeah. like oh. Oh yeah, she's so good, so good. And in that moment, where especially in scenes like that with Adama, where you know she says, you, "You asked me here in here to talk," because I forget what the exact line is. And she starts talking, and he's turning back to his little like model ship. He's like, "I don't to do this." <laughs> like he asked her in there to talk, and he kind of wanted to have this moment, of like kind of like bearing his soul or figure things out, because he figures she's going to be on his right. side, maybe, or maybe he just. Maybe he wants that truth, but then at the moment when it's gonna when she's gonna drop it on him, he's like, You know what, I don't. I I don't want it. And she's like, Too bad, Sparky. Right. Here it comes. Here's yeah. the truth. That was just fantastic. And she did such a they those two did such a good job. Oh yeah, job and, and, and
2: her whole, you know, statement about how every day that the fleet is fragmented is a another day that he's broken his promise. You know Yes and, and it,
1: Oh. Which is like that's like the, one of the worst things you could tell Adama right. is that he's broken a promise.
2: But but he at least recognizes that she's right, you know. And so at, at the end of Home Part 1, he he announces the intent to reunite the fleet. And so they make their way back to Cobol. And uh, and so at this point, Rosalind and a team are uh, Apollo, Starbuck, um, a few others, Zarek and one of his henchmen are down there. And Zarek is already kind of planning how to off – well, Zarek and his, and his henchmen are trying –
1: well, his henchman is really the one, yeah. who's driving it.
2: I forget what his name um, is. I think it's Meyer. Yeah, Meyer. Uh, they they want to get rid of Adam of of Apollo. Sorry, um, so that they yeah. can, you know, basically gain some some more political advantage with her and and with the fleet, and and so that plays out through yeah. the episode. Um, Meyer ends up getting you know shot by by Sharon, the the Athena version of Sharon. Um, almost, a, and it was done in a very interesting way. So Adama lands with a party and he joins them. Um, and before I get back into the Sharon thing, I mean, w- one reason I chose this one is you start to see, I think when Adama comes back, like the way they write his character, when, when he comes back from being shot, he is a much more emotional person than we see in season one.
1: Yes. Yeah. Where was the, um? Uh, shoot. Oh, so uh, and actually this ties into if I had like a if I had like a because I, I had a tough time. narrowing oh, down this down. It was
2: it was an impossible task.
1: <laughs> if I had a if I had a fourth one, it would have been the farm. Oh, yeah. Uh, because, again, I'm a sucker for a Starbuck heavy episode. I just am. I'm I'm totally in the bad bag for Starbuck. But uh, that was the one where Adama goes down to the yep. morgue and he pulls out mm-hmm. Boomer's body. And he just breaks down and is you can tell like he is just a much more emotionally fragile yeah. person. And he I mean he just doesn't he just doesn't like crack like that one single tear. Like we're talking like weeping, snot coming out, like just like yeah. losing it. And like right. ugly and, cry. And- Which is is so great because, number one, for Edward James almost to be like willing to do that, like I am going to show my character not just emotionally vulnerable, but just a complete wreck. And also just to write it that way to 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 show Adama is like this different person.
2: Well, and and I didn't realize it when I was watching it now and listening to you talk about it. I mean, when you really think about it, everyone in his life um, had betrayed him at that point. You know, it started with Rosalind at the end of season one. It then went to Apollo, um, who stood by Rosalind. You had Starbuck disobey his orders. Then you had Boomer shoot him. Could everyone stop getting shot? And and so when when he says that, why? I think it's, I mean, I kind of read, and maybe I'm reading way too much into it, but I kind of looked at it as this is an aggregation of, of everyone who he holds dear. You know, kind of asking that question of of why are you going against me? You know, why are you betraying me? Sort of, you know.
1: I would, I would, I would agree, and I think it's very interesting, but very, very in line with Adama's thinking that you would equate a disagreement, you know, two disagreements, and getting shot. Could everyone stop getting shot as equal? Because to to Adama, that kind of is like he is at least pre being shot or in this transitional kind of area that he's in those are all equal right right like he sees them all as equal and i think it's really that moment when he has that conversation with d and he starts it starts changing his perspective a little bit that's when he starts realizing like oh getting shot by boomer and apollo disagreeing with how i see things right. is not the same
0: if i can change and you can change. everybody can change.
2: And so when he goes down on the planet, you know the the he shares a very emotional moment with Apollo. You know he he's mm-hmm. you know again crying when he embraces his son. Um, you know he's happy to see Rosalind. Uh, he gives Star you know, oh, he and Starbucks a big hug. I mean that that's emotional. as well. I mean he's just like you said he's emotionally fragile. I mean he just. We're seeing more from this character than we've seen before, and and it 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 can't all just be the gunshot. He said, "Getting shot at didn't bother him. It was getting shot that shook him up." You know, I mean, you know, certainly getting shot will will wound some. You know, will will have reverberating effects and so forth. But it really, you know, it it just it kind of shows the evolution now that's happening with him, where he's. Mm He's moving beyond being the military guy, you know, and, and he's he's being more human, you know, or, or more of a person, uh, you know, when relating to these people. And, and we see it more with Rosalind later on. I mean, the when she's getting close to death because of her cancer, it, it's hitting him very hard
1: when I think it's. No, and, and, it, and I was oh, just going to finish sorry, it up. by just saying, you, you know, it
2: hits him very hard. And I think it's because, you know, he he's finally opening himself up, you know, and 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 he sees her not yeah. just as a leader, uh, you know, not, not just as a professional equivalent to him, but as, as, as a person now and stuff. And so I, I think it's, it's just an interesting evolution of his character that goes on display in this episode.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think that kind of starts really, I mean, before this, they had, they have a relationship and you can kind of see them, you know, that, that kind of dance back and forth. But I think this is where it really begins yeah. in earnest where that that relationship really starts yeah. building, um, but it, it also reminds me in a way of um, you ever watched the mo- uh, the movie Pacific
2: Rim? No, I didn't actually.
1: Fantastic flick. Don't watch the second one; it's trash. Uh, the first one though is is great because it really is a great kind of um, Guillermo del Toro does a great job of mixing like Mecca mm-hmm. and uh, and yep. and kaiju kind of monster yep. movies sort of thing and it's it's great it's like a love letter to both of those and it's it's brilliant and it's over the top and it's fantastic um, but there's uh, Idris Elba has this moment in this thing where he's like the commander of of the people who are in charge of the giant mm-hmm. robots and stuff anyways uh, and he he's kind of being challenged by one of his pilots and he says you know all I have to be I don't have to be a friend I don't have to do this and, that and, the other. and not I'm paraphrasing He's, but there is this one point where he says, "All I need to be is a fixed yeah. point," and that's what he is to those people at that base. He is a fixed point that every everything else is going absolutely insane in the world, but not right. him. He is the fixed point that everybody can look at and 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 orbit around and take their fix off of, and that's what Adama has been. Yeah. He is he is that calm center of the storm, but just like everything else, months and months and months of this go by, and you start realizing, like, oh my gosh, this is yeah. it. Yeah. This is all we got. Is is today is the same as probably tomorrow right. is going to be. Like, just try not to get killed by Cylons, and it's changing him, even though he doesn't, he might yeah. not want it to, but he's he can no longer be that fixed point because of the, of, right. of being shot. And also just having to change, like seeing everything around him and realizing, maybe I'm not right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. I mean, he's not willing to say I'm completely wrong, but he's he's willing to say right. I'm, I might not right. be right. And I love that moment with with Rosalind, where, you know, he says I forgive you, and she says I don't remember asking you for for your, uh, for your forgiveness. And he says you yeah. have it anyways, and it's like almost the closest you get to Adama in that moment, being like. I know I was an a-hole, yeah. I'm sorry. So I'm gonna kind of forgive you and through the way that I'm doing it, you kind of understand where I'm coming from. It's kind of this, it's, it's very sweet yeah. sort of moment. And, you know, and that's the note I wrote way. down is, the,
2: and, and really what's kind of funny is the, the episode, um, I mean, not, not to end it off, but but the way it ends where it kind of, it, it's revealing to them uh, a waypoint of how they get to earth is really not the reason why I chose the episode. I chose it more like this wasn't going to be one of my top ones. I actually had I think Fragged or I think Resistance is one of them in there. But what really elevated it to me was was really just everything with Adama, and 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 just the mm-hmm. the, the way it was just neat to see his character make that change. And you know, binging these seasons where you know I have a, a pretty um, you know near term point of reference of how he was in season one it really does stand out. I think if you, you know, to watch the series play out the way it, you know, the way it aired in real time, I don't know if, if it would stand out as much as it is right now, but it, but for me watching is as, as quickly as I am, <laughs> um, you know, those sorts of things stand out a bit more. And, um, and the way he just, you know, un- unconditionally gives that forgiveness, um, or asks for, for, you know, for forgiveness, um, you know, and in that recognition that that he you know made some errors as well, um, you know, you know again with the idea of unifying everyone was was just you know just kind of a neat thread to play out. And then the the other one that I really enjoyed too was 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 the interactions with Sharon. And so going back to her, when she you know shoots Meyer, who is again Zarek's henchman, there, um, she first points the gun mm-hmm. at, at Adama. And so here, here we go yeah. again. And, and then she turns and she shoots him. And then she explains to him that she is in control of, of her uh, decisions. And, you know, she has this free will and she hands him the gun. And it starts off this set of activity where she's proving herself to him, you know, every step of the way in, in, in terms of who she is and that she's not what he remembers Boomer as.
1: Well, in a, in a way, it kind of falls in line with who Boomer was anyways, because as we see in later episodes, that was kind of how she was anyways. She was continuously trying to yes. prove herself as a pilot before before she knew she was a silent, of course. But I think the other thing that's interesting to that, too, is going to that scene where Adama sees her Sharon mm-hmm. for the first time in that episode. He goes, off and he's going to choke her out he is going to kill her and the funny thing is in that moment knowing what we know about Cylons yes she could kill him yeah I mean you saw Leoben snap uh you know handcuffs turn over table I mean you know these Cylons have extraordinary strength she could kill him and and she won't and agree she doesn't and he and the only reason he stops choking her is because of 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 the wound from or the you know where they had to open up his chest, right?
2: And and the great, you know, the the great ending point to that scene was her responding, and you ask why.
1: Yes, and that look from him, like, <laughs> wait a minute, <laughs> but, 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 and and they never answer no. that. They never answer, like, wait a minute, can can they hear through like a dead Cylon body? Is like it turns into a giant microphone? Right. Like, wait a minute. It's one of those things that never gets answered, but it's just like And, and, and to jump to
2: 2.5, there's a point, and I won't go deep into this, but there is a point when he consults her about why the Cylons hate them so much. And she comes back and challenges him. So th- there's there's this there's this start to and continual, I mean, at least as far as I've gotten in 2.5, there, there's, a, there's a thread now where he starts talking to her to try to understand – how Cylons perceive them and, and, and ends up finding out And this. And, you know, again, without going too deep into it, it ends up influencing a decision he was going to make in that particular episode about um, an action he was going to take against another character where he was going to kill the character and she's challenging Mm -hmm. him. And we'll probably get into this in the, into the next podcast, but she's challenging him on you guys. And you, you talked about it with six and Baltar when six says to Baltar you're a man now because you kill you know what I mean like like this is what you guys are yep. good at and he starts to and so what's mm-hmm. funny is she Sharon
1: and not even like that's what you're good at like this is the right, only thing
2: right. or, or you guys are creative like at that's it. kind of the way it, yeah. fra- it frames to me and Sharon yeah. basically is the one who's starting to help him understand how to be I mean maybe this is an overstatement but how to be more human
0: the doctor's in check your neuroses at the door
2: Know, how to be a human in, in mm-hmm. a sense of not necessarily always going to that instinct of wanting to kill all the time um, or, or to kill yeah. to solve, you know, what seems to be an unsolvable problem. So it's just kind of an interesting start to their dynamic and that dynamic will continue to play out. And it's it's uh, so that that's why I chose that episode. It, it was really more about the the interplay with Adama and and his emotions and how he just is on this path of forgiveness and unification. um, And then the way Sharon starts to prove herself to him. I'll pay you back one day, sir. And it really means something.
1: You do that. Yeah. And I think the other, there's another part. um, So, and and again, now, because again, Battlestar is so freaking dense. You notice we haven't talked about Baltar six at all.
2: (laughs) We still have gotten out of it. it. We haven't talked about it, it, man. (laughs)
1: And the funny thing is, what the first, the first note I put down on this because you were talking about the idea of like, well, we we don't find out why, you know, we get head sicks. We don't ever find out if it's because of a chip. And then, but in this episode, this is where she plants the idea of maybe it's a chip in your head, or maybe there's mm-hmm. no chip in your head, and this and that and the other. And so he goes to Doc Coddle to get yeah. a brain scan. But before that, and I I actually went back and watched. Um, this episode with a commentary on through this scene because I was hoping that there would be some clarity but there isn't to me um, when, so Six is in the cell that they're constructing for I guess they were Mm going to construct it for Boomer Um, and then they end up putting Mm -hmm. Sharon in it later, Sharon Uh, so Baltar's in there and Head Six is in there and they're talking and talking and talking and at one point he says something and all of a sudden now you have head six in like sweats with like her hair back in a ponytail like totally not who six has ever been in this series and the funny part was when i was watching the commentary ron uh ron moore said well this is actually closer to how you see trisha in real life (laughs) like this is This is who she is in real life. Like she, she walk around with a ponytail, without you know, like in casual clothes and stuff. And she's not, of you know, of course, she's not strutting around in like the six red dress with like six inch spike heels on and all that. But I, the funny thing was, as I'm watching this, I'm like, and you tell me, was she doing a Starbucks impersonation? Just like the expressions the way that she was phrasing things the laugh like I'm like she is doing a dead yeah. on Starbuck impersonation because I know there was a little flirtation there right. between him and uh, between Gaius and Starbuck and all that but it was just so weird because that was I that was the first thing I thought I'm like oh my gosh she, Trisha health is, is like doing a Katie Sackoff impersonation yeah. doing oh, yeah. Starbuck what the hell and it was it was fantastic but again this is a, we didn't even talk about this because there's so much other stuff in this right. episode to talk about. But then at the end of this episode, um, that's when Six says to Baltar that you know, uh, what was it uh, that she'll be with him until uh, until the end mm. of the human race, which I was I was like that is so cryptic, sultry, and creepy all at the <laughs> same time, because it is so just like, well, what does that mean? I mean, that could right, be tomorrow. I right. mean, <laughs> depending on how the dice roll. I mean, oh my gosh! But again, that and it kind of bookends that episode. Um,
2: oh, absolutely. Yeah, just fantastic.
1: Yeah. Excellent, excellent choice. Could have easily may have, have to do an episode mine, just I, on Baltar and head six.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. And actually another thing I noticed now you notice, uh, so you have on COBOL, you have Starbuck and Apollo, uh, Hilo and Sh- and Sharon, and then you have Alosha, um, and Rosalind, and then you have Meyer and, and yep. uh, Zarek and Elosha gets taken out right. by the landmine. And so then it isolates yes. Rosalyn. And and you kind of like just see that. Like she is very much isolated and mm. then Adama comes in at the end and it kind of completes yeah. that pair and all of a sudden now it's like it, it, to me I was like that is just it was just kind of weird that I noticed that this viewing when I hadn't noticed that before like all of a sudden she is separated out and she's isolated for so much of that episode and then all yeah. of a sudden Adama's yeah. there. Alrighty, righty. So that was episode seven. So now we go to the third episode on my faves list. Uh, number nine, Flight of the Phoenix. Uh, Galactica's crew fights to contain a Cylon computer virus spreading throughout the ship while Tyrol launches a project to build a new fighter. Um, this is cool because it actually calls back to what was it? A uh, yes. Valley of darkness because in that. Episode no, again, no, no, no.
2: I, I think it was scattered. I think it was scattered.
1: You can't
0: fix, stupid.
1: Yes, you're correct. It's Scattered, uh, which is another great call by Ty to, at, to let Geta network the computers so they can go back and... Yeah, because um, what
2: happened was they needed to run... They had to run a calculation. Wait a um, So Scattered, episode one, is when Galactica right, jumps, they, but they don't jump yep. with the fleet. So they have to jump back, figure out mm-hmm. the trajectory of where they were going to go or where the fleet went, and that's why they have to network the computer. Yeah, because they
1: – okay. Thank you for correcting me on that. You I, can I put a Professor bit... again, Frank like, audio it's... clip in here at this
2: moment. Hey! You know, the uh... – <laughs> But,
1: uh, so it's a great callback to the beginning of the season. And, like, again, like, consequences yeah. carry over. Yeah. And, and, and hey, it's taken this long for this virus to work, but now we're in serious trouble again because the silence are trying to take control of the ship. Right. Again. Right. Um, which is funny because it kind of goes back to um, the uh, to Home Part 2 where, again, you have Baltar and Six in that cage, and he's like, oh, what's it going to be now? We're going to blow up the ship. No, we've already done that one. And I'm like, oh, my. Just far too meta, man. Yep. Just far too yep. meta. Um, but I thought this was great because, you know, you get just – to me, this episode – I'm not going to go through the entire, like, you know, blow by blow a bit of it but i just thought it was great because it goes back to the idea that was at the beginning at the very end mm-hmm. of the mini-series so the beginning of this entire journey where adama tells Ro, you know Rosalind's like you don't know where yeah. earth is she knows and he's like no i don't they need to but it's not enough just to survive you have yeah. to live for something let yeah. it be for earth and it's, again, it's that, it's that idea of like, there's limited supplies. Like you, you start off the episode with Tyrrell junking a viper. He like strips off some wires and whatever he can salvage from it. And then it's like, boom, this is scrap. It's unsalvageable. I can't mm-hmm. do anything with it. And this idea of like, our resources are finite. We are not going to be forging, right. you know, we don't, we aren't rolling vipers yes. off the assembly yes. line. We only have so many of them And one and one, when we can't salvage one, we're hosed, um, and then that idea of like, um, uh, where was it? Uh,
0: Today, Junior.
1: You know, we can only do so much, or you know, you're expecting too much. And 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 Chief is like, maybe that's a problem. Maybe we're not expecting too much of ourselves. You know, that that whole idea that it's not enough just to survive. You've got to right, move forward. Right. Um, and this idea of it being like an act of faith that you're gonna you're gonna try to do this thing that you you you're not sure yeah. that you can do. Um, and there's so much of that going on in this show where people are just taking these mm-hmm. leaps of faith. And I think that's just so cool to do that because it puts the characters in this really interesting spot where they're they're totally yes. working without a yeah. net. Like, this could fail yeah. brilliantly. And, and everybody is kind of against it right at the get-go. Like, even the deck crew that you would think would be behind Tyrell no matter what, they're, eh, I don't know, man. And you have Jammer who, oh my gosh. Jammer is like yeah. just a pain in the butt. He's, I mean, going back to um, Valley of Darkness, like he's the dude who's in the munitions locker. And then at the very end of the episode, I meant to point this out, but when uh, Apollo takes out that last Cylon, <laughs> he's like, yeah, we got him. And meanwhile, there's like three dead <laughs> Marines laying around him, and he's all excited, like, yeah, we did it. It's like, first of all, you didn't do squat. Second of all, look at all yeah. the bodies around Not, you. not quite you the know, time to celebrate. It's like, yeah, it's almost like Parks and Recreation where you're like, yeah. damn it, Jammer. Yeah. Damn it, Jerry. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, the idea of the virus running rampant throughout this whole thing. But even as that's going on, like they're still trying to build this ship, even though the ship is kind of going wacky right. on them. Like Tyrell is just yeah. single minded yeah. in this. And. Um, oh, man. And the idea of like um, Sharon having yes. to save the day. Yeah. Was so like it's it's is it, like the last thing that Adama would ever and want he still to do
2: throws her back in the brig you know what i mean like like this is what's funny about the dynamic with the two of them is he he puts her in this position where she could she could end it for them all she could have ended it for them Mm -hmm. all but she doesn't she follows through with what um you know with what she said she would do and he sees it and then he's like take her back to the brig (laughs) It's just it it just cracks me up. Which, I'm just like you, you know there there is progress being made there, but it's just you know with the dhamma you need more time that's right it's incremental right. It, it is it slow is.
1: progress, which i mean it, it, it is it is such a testament to that care it is like a great yeah. picture of that character Oh, yeah you know he is willing to he's willing to change he's willing to accept that he's wrong, but he isn't going to accept right. that he's hundred percent right. wrong. You know, and and he and he he, he'll own his part of it, but he is going to damn sure make sure that he's not going to own any part of yours. And and he's going to be awfully slow to change. Yeah, but not always, which is kind of funny, because there are these times when he just does make these like, you know, quick changes like in the miniseries when Rosalind had talked to him about, you know, we need to get away and we need to start making babies. (laughs) And then like a couple scenes later, he's in the CIC and like I think D and Billy are talking or something. And he's and, and he says to Ty something like you know, we're gonna have to start <laughs> making babies. And Ty looks over and he's like, Is that an order? <laughs> and that's when he makes the he makes the decision, yeah. like, we're gonna run. You know, we're not gonna fight, we're gonna run. And it's those moments that like he'll he'll go, 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 you know, and he'll stick to his guns, stick to his guns until he knows for like a hundred percent certain. And then he's like, All right, okay. fine. You know, it, but not in necessarily a stubborn way, but he just right. he has right. to know. And I guess it's that that idea of the responsibility that he has yeah. on his shoulders. And he takes it extremely right. seriously. I, I What um, I like is... That, that yeah, is beautiful. and, and right. what I
2: like with the, with the episode... And this was a tough one for me, too, because I watched this and I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, I, I'd like to rank this higher, but the three that I picked were just, you know, for, for me... Or, and we'll get into this with, with Pegasus as the last one, but there there's just some episodes just seem to bring out um or at least uh elevate the themes that they're you know trying to portray in the story slightly better than others and and this one was a very good one because mm-hmm. it has that that element of hope throughout it that that tyrol is is like yeah. you said he's single-minded i mean they, they start the episode everyone's just in a snit about everything you know and and the wear and tear of this life right i wonder wear and tear of this lifestyle um you know is wearing on them and it it was kind of funny to me because going back to one i think it was um resistance when when uh was you know uh, taken off the ship by by apollo and they talk about cloud Mm -hmm. nine and i just you know again for me it's it's little details that i sometimes pick up on that i enjoy especially with this series but they talk about Cloud Nine like you know, oh yeah, there's you know air traffic going in and out of that thing all the time. Like it's just like they're this floating planet in a way, you know. Like the fleet has become a floating planet. They they have an airport. They have, you know, it's just like they've just come to like this understanding that this is their life. And yeah, and it it, it I think it's adding yeah, oh yeah, that depth yeah.
1: in because it and it and it also implies uh, again, it's like that anti Star right. Trek thing, like. You go to a planet and they would just say, "Scanners say there's five life forms and three dogs and two right. cats and we've we've detected a jungle here." And this like in five seconds. Well, Galactica doesn't have sensors and they have to scan for things and they're trying to they're trying to follow one one ship. But if it goes here
2: and there's too many ships and it goes in there and it, right. you have no right. idea because there's right. and like limited. when when, when Rosalind and the team on Home Part Two land on COBOL, I'm waiting to see some of these people just kiss the ground because they've been in the air for a really long time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's it, it's a really minor point, but it's just something I just kind of chuckle at because I'm like, you know, if if I was in space for as long as they've been, I'd be really enjoying being on land right now. You know, sort of thing.
1: Well, except for the fact that you have a telling them that you know, hey, by the way, every visit to COBOL well, is paid for in blood, so watch that's your true. ass. That's true. But but. Yeah, and actually, uh, going back to that, one more thing, because I, 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 this was... Uh, I, I, the the scene where they're flying down, and we're just zipping back to home part two, because I I just wanted to make sure I noted this, because I thought it was such a great character-building scene when they're going down the raptor, and you're looking at Adama, and then they flashed to Billy, because Billy didn't mm. go with Rosalind, and yet Adama has pulled Billy oh. with him yes. down to Cobra And he starts telling her about how Rosalind had said that he thinks she thinks he's going to yeah. be the next president that you know she he reminds her of of uh of Adar on his first campaign and this and that and he's like I, I don't know what to say to that and, and and Dama just totally undercuts him. like he's like Adar was a moron
2: He's like, don't get too excited Adar
1: was a moron that was great. and I'm like oh my it's great because he's trying to build Billy up but he's like you know what no, I just won't go there no. though I, I mean I I'll I'll try and puff you up, but damn it, I ain't gonna go no. I'm not gonna go over the top.
2: But yeah, so so it starts off on this kind of down note and you know, through sheer will, you know, with Tyrrell building this this viper, he's starting to get, you know, and it's really you know, it's neat to see how it plays out in the story where person by person there there's more involvement with it and it becomes like a project that they're all kind of working on and um and it even pulls in yeah. Hilo at one point where they show, you know, he's still like persona non grata. Um, due to his relationship yep. with Sharon, and you know, even at the very end when they're like, "Well, what the heck are we gonna plate this thing with?" and he's like, "Well, and she was, you know, carbon, blah blah blah, or something."
1: Yeah, he has the idea to that ultimately is like the defining yeah. feature of yeah. the ship—that it's a stealth ship. That this this coating that he's he suggested makes it yes. impossible yeah. to track, which is a, a great—you know—again, and it's and and having yes. it be Hilo. Yeah. Again, just adds some, it adds a little bit more depth. It adds more complexity. Like, I, I really hate this guy, but damn it, did, that was a good idea. Did you notice
2: with Hilo's character, too, this poor guy? Poor guy has been living or surviving on, on nuclearized Caprica for, for well over a month. He finally gets back. Does anyone give this guy a hug? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like he gets in, and all of a sudden they're they're on, they're on his case about, you know, how the heck are you having a baby with a Cylon? What's wrong with you, man? Um well, I mean, he so he gets back to. Did he even get back to Galactica,
1: or did he immediately go to? Cobol? Not at
2: first. He he ended up on, I think. I think it was on Cloud Nine where Roslin was. I thought. Because c- well I've, well because it, it plays beastly. into what yeah. you said last podcast episode, where as soon as Roslin sees Sharon, what is her first reaction? Put it out the airlock. <laughs> Yes. So so, but yes. but I just for someone like Hilo, who probably everyone presumed was dead, to come back, and it's just like no reaction from anyone. It's just like a a, a Dama's and laying into is, him, and Hilo it's, is, it's hysterical. He's oh, such he is. a good dude.
1: He is such an upright, like upstanding, like dude through the entire thing, like like the entire series. He is always just like. I'm here to help. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Like he's, he never, I don't ever remember Hilo having like, if any, if any, if any of the characters have the smallest, like amount of like dark side shadowy bit of their, their psyche and and subconscious. Yeah. Hilo's it. Like he is the one guy who you're like, damn, he's like squeaky clean, which is probably why people are also like, screw yes. that guy <laughs> i don't trust yeah. anyone who doesn't have you know a little yeah. bit of a dark side um but yeah at least it would have been nice to have like a pick-me-up bouquet or a fruit basket yeah. and or then, something you know but apparently not apparently just screw and then him to
2: swing it back over to sharon one thing we we missed when we talked about you know adama allowing her to um work her magic uh on the ship in terms of avoiding you know the virus taking over was also the fact that she then turns around and lays the virus on the Cylon ships.
1: Oh, which is beautiful because then it, it's payback for that. Which is initial, just desserts like, for the. After, uh... <laughs> in the miniseries when they took out all of the Vipers, which is is a painful is, scene yeah. to watch. Like the poor bastard who's in that like the CAG who's in that thing. And yeah. he just knows yeah,
2: they're, they're, they're sitting. Duck, like, knows and they're what's going to so... happen. Yeah, so 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 they get oh that dedication. So that coupled with the uh, the maiden voyage of the Blackbird, as they call it. Um,
1: oh my gosh! Can can I just tell you? I, I just got to say, the room got dusty when they did like they're dedicating the thing, and they pull off. The, oh the, like, yes, the, the towel or the sheet or whatever, yes. and it's Laura. On the nose of the and they, and they she had just and she had just gotten a diagnosis of like now she's like yeah, weeks away yeah. from death, and and they dedicate mm-hmm. the ship to her and I'm watching that and I'm, like... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm kind of glad because I'm like I'm gonna I, there's like a it's fifty fifty whether I'm just gonna be a slobbering mess on the floor.
2: <laughs> I love it, I love it.
1: You know, because I, I mean I, I I think mm. as you get older, especially. You know, you, you get older. You have a little more perspective. You have family. You have right. kids, or whatever. You you start encountering. You start realizing you're going to encounter your own mortality yeah. a little bit. And not to bring this down, like, wow, this is getting. Game over, of a man. But then again, <laughs> it, you finished. It, it, we are talking about like a predominant feature of the character is like it's a it's a it's a leader with a a disease that's going to kill her. Um. So I guess it's not <laughs> it's not out of bounds. Yeah. But it was it was so oh, yeah, beautifully yeah. done. And then. The character moment I loved, like, because again, I'm just like, I'm about to like, just like, (laughs) and then she goes and she takes the champagne bottle, like she's going to (laughs) bash it over the thing. And I was like, no, no, no." and she's like, just kidding. I'm like, oh, son of like, even in the face of death, Laura's like, "Uh, no, I'm going to be me. That was just a beautiful character moment of like, just showing you who she is. Like, you know what? Yeah, Screw you, death. Which is just, Absolutely. I just thought it was great. Absolutely. I was just like, I was like, I would follow Laura Roslin, you know, to the ends of <laughs> Caprica or Toron or whatever. I don't know, pick your planet. Um, but a fantastic, yeah. fantastic. And then, 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 kind of like in the epilogue, of, you know, with Adama, like you know, well, we found common ground. We both mm-hmm. wanted to live. I was just yeah. like, oh, because that that you know what. That's one of those lines that it would be cheesy if it weren't Edward James oh, almost delivering it.
2: Absolutely,
1: he delivered that, and it's just yep. like, yeah. If that's anyone else, I'm like, that's yeah, lame. yeah. Oh,
2: absolutely. No, it's. <laughs> but Eddie almost, ah, he nails it.
1: Um, and then, uh, uh, and then I kind of thought another great little moment was it was Chief going down to see Sharon, and this was something that I thought was interesting because it it also happened in uh in home part two where she goes up and she hugs Tyrrell because he was on cobalt too when it when adama right, got right. down there and she goes over and hugs him, and like Missed you, chief and you know and then she's like talking to him and it's like even though she is kind of on everybody's side she's still messing with people like it, even kind of like a low grade sort of way almost like she can't right, quite help right. herself you know so yeah, i thought that but, was interesting that definitely and which brings us to uh the this was actually your was this your this, favorite, this was my top was this... one this
2: was my favorite
1: so this is your favorite episode from yeah. season 2.0 this is episode 10 the season finale uh this is episode 10 pegasus the uh with the arrival of the Battlestar Pegasus, the fleet is exuberant. However, Adama soon worries about Admiral Kane. Pegasus's Pegasus's—that's awkward. To say, did no matter matter how you slice it, <laughs> Pegasus's commanding officer and Adama's superior in command of the fleet. So, fill me in on this one because I, I pr- this was this probably wouldn't like number really? six. Really? Okay.
2: I, I, I'm curious as to why, because yeah, I do have a I, question for you about it, and I, I think I may know why you may have rated this lower. But the, the reason mm-hmm. I put this as high as I did um, in, in making this my favorite, it, it really wasn't until I, um, obviously, until I watched it. But um, what I found so interesting was the way they told the story of how they would react finding another, you know, battle star after thinking everyone else is wiped out, right? And having this, this chance meeting of uh, a fellow Battle Star from their old life, from their old existence, um, and how celebratory that would be, and, and just how, mm-hmm. how much, um, you know, given what Flight of the Phoenix was, where they were, you know, kind of getting fatigued with, with the constant running from the Cylons, that to have that breath of even more renewed hope you know, now, now that they found uh, you know kind of a, a sister ship, and a, and a crew that uh, that understands their situation yeah. that has been going through its own set of challenges, was just kind of it was a very interesting story to tell. And when you look at the episode as a whole, it is again this this telling of a downward spiral that accelerates every step of the way into just a worse and worse and worse situation um layered in there is the kind of the attitude of the crew from the pegasus and Mm -hmm. their perspective on cylons and how they treat cylons and how you know you you have a very you know severe very extreme scenario start to play out with sharon with with them um you know just there's just a lot of layers to this episode that i just was like man this is fantastic um, and, and so mm-hmm. I, I just, that's what I really liked about it was just the, the storytelling of starting the episode with this jubilant reunion and ending the episode with both sides basically attacking each other. I mean, it's, it's just, it's such yeah. a dichotomy the way that, that they tell that story and how quickly they get to that point. Um, but it makes total sense the way it happens. The question I have for you is, and I'm wondering if this is why you ranked it low. Is one of the reasons that it wasn't high for you, do you think they overdid the Pegasus crew having this sort of evil mentality? No. Okay.
1: No, I, I because, because um, I wondered about some, that
2: as I saw it play out.
1: No, because I think that you look at, um, you look at leadership in general, and, and, and I'm coming at this from several different standpoints because, Um, I feel like in my own experience, I've had, I've had some successes as being in a leadership role. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've also had, I've had, I've had several failures being in a leadership role, but ultimately the one thing that I feel that has carried over has been that most teams or, or groups, bands, whatever you want to, whatever it is, whatever group it is takes on the personality of the leader. Mm-hmm. if that leader is is skilled and, and dynamic and charismatic and, and has the buy-in of the people that they're leading. right Usually they will begin to take on kind of an overall you know, a lesser of course, you know, but a shadow of that persona and that personality of the leader.
2: Okay so, so you think a lot of that was just them reflecting the the Admiral Kane character?
1: I think so. Yeah. Um, because, um, if you look at Galactica, there, there is a bit of that, the crew really does reflect Adama, but also in, in some ways, Ty's personality. Uh-huh. Um, there, there's elements of it that are very Ty. Like you could, you could look at Starbuck and right. say, Starbuck is, has elements of Adama, but it also has elements of Ty as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and so that crew kind of views itself as family. Admiral Kane does not view her crew as family. Right. Well, it is, it is a unit and it is a machine, Yes, you know, and they are part of that machine. And, and in that, in that way, I can see how that would work because there is that pride in excellence and in doing your job to such a degree and, and buying in because this is the person who saved our ass. We would not be alive if it were not for her. Right we are going to do exactly what she says, even if we might not agree with it.
2: Cause, cause that's, that's what stood out to me. And, and it was one of the things that had me on the fence about where I put it was, you know, you had the Admiral Kane character and, and I think what, what you, what you just explained makes a lot of sense, you, you, but you know, you look at her, you look at, you know, the, the pilot who is her CAG, you look at mm-hmm. the gentleman who is the Cylon interrogator, um, they all have this just negative attitude. I mean, I really what what really kind of stood out of me was was the exchange between Apollo, who is the Galactica CAG, and and you know the CAG from Pegasus, who 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 have nothing really to argue over or to be you know um, you know to, to to be nasty at one another, but almost immediately, you know the the CAG from Pegasus is just you know, he's making fun of Apollo. He's just, you know, giving him a hard time. And I'm sitting there like, why would that be your first reaction? I mean, wouldn't you guys look at each other as brothers in a way, you know, like, like you guys have been both going through probably the same thing on your respective ships. You know what I mean? Well, I
1: think part of it is, um, it, look at, um, I think number one is that the fact that you look at some of the, some of what p- follows through from Adama is that, Adama number one Adama's command with the Galactica was essentially a bunch of strays and, and young kids yeah. because that he was about to retire that whole Battlestar was going to be retired that was kind of the end of the line so it didn't matter who was on that ship mm-hmm. they were not the best of the best right that right. was not the, that was not the premier ship in the fleet um, and so therefore you end up with this mixed bag of people um, which also ends up being kind of their strength. But if you remember back to the miniseries, the cag when Apollo landed was much more in line with the cag from Pegasus.
2: That's fair. Yeah. If
1: you remember that yeah. guy. So yeah. you can look at it as like Apollo is a very atypical That's true. cag, in that also, one of the things that he does is one, which I loved because it kind of started to, for me, it threw the balance back on Apollo. a bit Because it was like, Apollo's getting a little bit too much like, a little too likable. Hey, let's make him a whiny jerk again. Um, yeah. So when he does a whole, like, uh, you know, you're not my commander. My commander is, names is Dama, which is also my name. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you didn't go there, did you? Mm-hmm. And it is this kind of recalibration of, you're not just operating on your own anymore. Yeah. It's not just family. Now it's chain of command. Right. Which is the thing that, that you got with the original like nineteen seventy eight Battlestar Galactica. It was all like one happy family and you know, this and that and the other. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, no, there is a chain of command. And and and, and, C- and Kane outranks Adama. So therefore it's now Cain's fleet and you are underneath this person. Even though Adama commands a ship, mm-hmm. you're not really under her under his command. Completely.
2: Right. Right. And, I, I, you know, I'm glad you said chain of command because that that brought up another thread I didn't mention, which is why I put this where I put it, which is the. You know, we've we, we've talked about how when season three starts, it's such a or the end of season two beginning two point five and beginning of season three is such a, a, a change for the series as a whole. This this brought a disruption to the natural order of things that Mm -hmm. I felt played out really nicely in terms of the tension that, that was expressed in the episode. So, and so what I mean by that is what you just said, the chain of command that you had, you know, Admiral Kane coming in at first, it's a, you know, she's the superior officer. He is the commander. So he is, he is under her, he is under her orders. And, um, slowly as the episode plays out, her statements about not interfering with Galactica and kind of, you know um letting them continue to function as they have been start to fall apart rather quickly and 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 that tension for me watching it it was like i literally was just like it was so hard to like watch like adama's character just in in certain ways not be neutered but just he he's not he's not behaving and functioning the way you're used to seeing adama as as a commander
1: you know what i mean well well, one of the notes I made is that Adama is really good at hiding his feelings. Yes. Like he's good at kind of that poker face, like, Yes, Admiral, you know, this and that and the other. And oh no, Admiral is uh, you know, it's she's my superior mm-hmm. and that's that's all there is to it. And he's not really even though on the inside he's like, I don't dig this fracking stuff at right. all. I am this because I mean if you remember in the miniseries, like he was so willing, you know, to take command. Mm-hmm. Like, when it, when it came down to it, he's like, whatever. You know, I'm taking command of the fleet. Like, w- uh, wait a minute. You were just about to be retired five minutes ago. Right. What? Wait a minute. Right. Time out? What's happening?
2: Yep. <laughs> I'm so confused. You know,
1: can someone please explain this to yes. me? Yes. Because I don't know what's happening anymore. Yep. Um, but I, I'm i kind of curious for you, um, because it's not like I didn't like this episode. Sure, I, sure. I did. I, and I think it did so much kind of catapulting into... Um, the next half of this season, which it, this I, I really feel like this, even though the season one was so great, mm-hmm. I really felt like seasons two, three, and four benefited from this mid-season break mm-hmm. because it really gave you two cliffhangers every season. Yeah, yep. it was fantastic because this really was like you got to have a cliffhanger mid-season for a little while, and then you got the cliffhanger at the end of the season into season three. But I think there's so much in this because you got, of course, you know, the reveal of the human six or like the, the six who's been the, the captured Cylon on the Pegasus. Right. And uh, it, I mean, there's just so much there, but it, I think you had to kind of have that juxtaposition of the professional ship with Pegasus and because they don't, they don't have that fleet. Right. Right. Which you then find out they used to.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: And and I do agree, like there is a very dark side to Admiral Kane, like there is a dark side. But at the same time, you go back and you look at it and you're like, this is where you can almost look at like you wonder sometimes like, well, how would that decision have played out if I had gone left instead of right? Mm-hmm. Right. And and maybe this is just me and that I spend way too much time reanalyzing mistakes I've made. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> More than likely it is, but hey, again, this is my therapy session, right. so thank you for joining us. The doctor's in. I think that Kane is the illustration of what would have happened if Adama had said, "We're going to fight." He he could have very easily, if he had if he had fully committed to that, strip everything from the ships that you can, get all the people that you mm-hmm. can, and we're going we're gonna fight, and we're going to fight and we are going to do this.
2: I I think the other part of that equation—that's the dark side. Yeah, of it. I, I think the other part of the equation of the statement you just made is not just uh, what it would look like had Adama made that choice. I think it's a view into what a, it would look like for Adama without Roslin counterbalancing him, like mm-hmm. that. That is, and, and I think that's probably the key difference that gets overlooked when. You know, you know, jumping into 2.5, when, when you start to understand what Kane has done, that there used to be a fleet that was following her around, and that fleet got disbanded because of her direct actions, you know, her ship's actions. Um, yeah. Without having that political leadership there, it, it begins to point out how important Rosalind has been this whole time in terms of keeping Adama and Ty in check. And we, we kind of joked about this last podcast about how she's oftentimes playing the role of mom in some ways, you know, telling the boys, mm-hmm. you know, um, guys, we're, th- there is no war. We're done. You know, we're, we've yeah. lost. So anything yeah. S- you try to... Smarten up. Know, basically. And, you know, clearly Kane doesn't have that. And so she is the rule of law. She is making the choices. and And, you know, she clearly is going a path where... When you have that sort of military arm that goes unchecked, how it can slowly derail off of what its original intent is, you know, is meant to be. And so, the fleet that they once had is no more. You know, uh, the the XO, you know, shares this story with Ty about how the uh, his his predecessor didn't want to carry out one of Kane's orders, and so she, you know, she basically shot him in the head, and then made this guy the XO. Um, is showing how different, you know, Adama handles these things or has handled the the situation from what Kane has done. You know that that Kane, you know, you would never see Adama getting to a point of of shooting Ty in the head because he disobeys him. You know what I mean? They they have yeah. too much history together. You know, too many times Adama has gone off. Not too many times. A couple times Adama has almost gone off the rails and Rosalind has reined him in. But with Kane, you don't have that. You, she she runs unbridled. She is unchallenged, and you start to see it play out throughout the episode when she you know after looking at the ship logs makes draws her own conclusions. So there's there's this one way judgment going on now because of course her being the superior officer she's reviewing what Galactica has been going through, but Galactica has no visibility into what Pegasus has gone through,
1: which is illustrated beautifully in a scene with Ty and Adama where. You know, he's handing over the logs and, and, and Ty's trying to talk about how, you know, oh, she shot her XO and, and he wasn't <laughs> kidding and this and that and the other. And he's like, well, you know, it's context and this and that. And he's like, you know, well, we shot down an entire, you know, <laughs> liner full of people. And he's like, well, that was because of this and that. And he's like, he's like, yeah, that's why I hope she reads the context. And Ty says <laughs> something about, you know, well, we ought to see her logs so we could put her in context too. Yeah. And, and Adama just is like, yeah, that'd be nice. Yes, you? yes. Um, and it's, and, and it's, it, again, it's that poker face with Adama where he's like, I'm going to play along because it's one moment where, again, where he talks, where he's talking with Rosalind he's like, I've been taking my, uh, orders my whole career, quote, this is no different. Yep. And yet in his, in his expression and in almost the tone you can hear, but it is yes yep. because it's a totally different scenario, yeah totally different. This is not like the colonial fleet. This is way off the map. Right. Right. Yeah. And there will be monsters here.
2: Right. And so, you know, you have Kane who then starts to shift personnel around. So Starbuck and Apollo now move off of Galactica and over to Pegasus and and and, and, and again, that that plays out in its own way again ramping up the tension you feel. It they, they they do a really nice job of just making you feel uncomfortable in this episode. It it is Yeah. the 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 I'll use the phrase again, the natural order of things is disrupted. And mm-hmm. And as a viewer watching the show, it you know, it, it, it was bothering me. You know, it's like you, you wanna see these characters fight back, you wanna see these characters prevail, um, but they are just in a situation where they are following. they have to follow orders that this is who this is their chain of command given the the rules of the colonial fleet. And so so you have all the shifting going on and then you have the the final peg that sets everything kind of in motion that leads to these two what should be these two ships celebrating this you know the the reunion that they have turning into almost an all-out war between the two of them and that is what happens with sharon where you have kane's interrogator and her soldiers now again because she can because she's admiral i i presume free reign over all ships um Mm -hmm. she sends him in there and he starts you know slapping sharon around and then you know they go to a really dark place where well, he's, he's going he's to rape her. And, and Hilo and Tyrrell have the benefit, if you want to call it that, of talking to some of the knuckleheads from the Pegasus who give them the clue that, oh, this guy is bad news and he's going to do something not so good to Sharon. And so yeah. that scene was fantastic as they were just running through. I mean, I love how they're running through the halls. They're like, get out of the way. You know? <laughs> they're just like, yeah. you know, clear the path. And then just that scene when Tyrrell gets in there and he just takes, he takes the guy, basically Tyrrell takes the um, Cylon interrogator, swings him around, not intending to kill him, but he swings him around in a way where his head ends up hitting into a bolt, uh, like one of the yeah. bolts in the beam of, of the prison that, that uh, cell that Sharon's in, and he kills him.
1: Again, just one of those st- stupid things that happen yeah uh,
2: but but you know in the moment it made perfect sense he's trying to pull this guy off of off of what he's about to do um you know both and it was neat to see helo and Tyrrell kind of in that moment you know they they both have their affection and their love for for sharon
1: when they both they'd gotten into a fight i i can't remember which episode it is now it was uh gosh it was one of the ones i watched in season 2.0 yeah. how about that for a the latter half <laughs> Um, good man
2: what the hell but
1: it was uh well no actually it was uh oh gosh it was it was um was it flight of the phoenix yeah it was flight of the phoenix because that was when um uh Hilo had left the card game with Star- uh, starbuck a minute because they were all messing with him and he was drinking in the raptor mm-hmm. and he and uh and tyrell had come up and i think he had been drinking too yeah or something, and and they end up getting into a fight. Yeah, they
2: basically got into a drunken brawl.
1: And you see, again, like like Hilo is is trying to be that good dude. Like he doesn't, he is trying not to hurt Tyrrell. Yes, you know, and and Tyrrell gets to a point where he and you and you you kind of, it's been hinted at, but then you see at that moment he has a wrench. And Aaron Douglas, oh my God, he frightened me in that moment. Like I, I I if I if I could make a movie and put Aaron Douglas in it, I would have him be angry. because yeah. he does it so well. Like it is it is terrifying because he has a wrench and he's just like ah! and he's gonna he's gonna bash in Hilo's you know, brain box. Yep. Yeah. And he stops. And it's a, kind of that first moment when you see Tiro as this like volcano that is dormant and he can be just so cool and he can kind of get a little elevated and he can joke around and this and that. But at the end of the day, you realize like this dude is going to explode almost more than anybody else. And when he does, it's going to be terrifying and which is funny because then that kind of foreshadows a little bit what happens a little down the road in season four. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that, that moment when they're running in there and he's the one who takes out, uh, I forget what the guy's name is. Of course then that just spirals everything out of control. Oh yeah. And of course then that gets into that moment where you you get a dom like, Get me a Raptor Assault team. And you know this now I'm like, Oh
2: boy, here we go. Well and
1: here and, we go. We got another Raptor Assault team. Stuff is going down. And,
2: and it, well and, and it wasn't just that action. It's like they, they get taken and he's trying to sort mm-hmm. out with the Admiral about how this is gonna be handled and essentially it's just a very short <laughs> it's a very short trial um which,
1: yeah is there a trial or is it so much like a yeah it's, no
2: it's more i think she was sitting at her desk and made a decision um pretty so, much so and and after that that's the point when he calls the that's that's pretty much it for him at that point he's like enough is enough with this and and so the the yeah. episode ends with both ships launching vipers at one another um because he wants basically adama wants his his men back Hilo and and Tyrell. And Kane has now ruled that they are going to die um, via execution for what they've done. Um, just a great, a great cliffhanger. Well, um, uh, one thing we should shift back to, because you, you alluded to this was the interchange between Baltar and six, um, the actual mm-hmm. corporal version of six. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, her being this example of how uh, just completely inhumane they, the, that the Pegasus crew treated her. Um, yeah. She unfortunately probably was not as lucky as Sharon in terms of um avoiding that un, un- uh, nastiness. Um, well,
1: but but think of it this way, it's an example of what happens if if things are carried out in a different way with a different commander. Yeah. Because I mean, it's not like Boomer, I mean Boomer being the one that shot Adama fared that much better. She got shot. Yeah in cold blood in the hallway and the person who shot her got like 30 days not for murder but for discharging a weapon yeah yeah you know and and again it's that it's that you know that left it's that which decision takes you which way right. and which series of branching decisions take a person down a dark path almost like Hilo in a way yeah. i mean not Hilo a crash down yeah. in a way like you get into that spiral and in in kane's case I think it's a just a bigger spiral. Yes. It just takes a lot longer for those things to play out and to really for the, the just desserts and the cup up to, to actually end up happening. Yeah.
2: And and you see as
1: opposed to heel as opposed to crashdown where it was a real tight like, oh this stuff is happening real quick.
2: Yeah. That escalated quickly. And and you see Baltar, you, you know, he he has a very you know he, he just has these emotional moments in this episode which you know, really kind of hit you because, you know, throughout the throughout these the season and a half, you know, it's been pretty been made pretty clear how, you know, six, whether it's in his head or, or live in front of him is someone that he he truly loves. And to see her in this in this in the shape that she's in on the Pegasus was just devastating for him and, and to see him start to kind of nurse her in a way back to a point where she can at least trust to, to a degree of even talking to him. It was just really interesting to see.
1: Can I just throw this out? I would I would disagree with that only in that I think he cares about her, but he's done his best to keep her at arm's length. because if you look at it in the miniseries, mm-hmm. he keeps trying to push her away. And even in like when it's like head six, there's moments when he will he will push her away. And he he will he will belittle belittle her and things like that, and and she really has to kind of wrench him around. Yeah. Whether it's you know when all of a sudden she's on the Galactica and she has evidence against him and this and that and the other, or you know those moments when you know he feels like something bad is going to happen or whatever. But I feel like this is the first when i was when i was watching it this is the first genuine moment when you when you understand that yes baltar has like these actual deep feelings and he really does care about her right right like on a, on a, on a, on a, on a very deep level
2: i mean at least he can discern between the head version and the live version you know what i mean like it's not like he looks at the live version and applies the angst he may have toward this head version that he keeps experiencing uh, on, or, or, or projecting it on her, you know what I mean? Like he he sees her and he he treats her in a very different way. Yeah, but I think it,
1: it, it's almost a a chance to interact with her in a in a in a, a real way. Yes, as opposed to like this part that he knows, like no one else can see this. You can't see the the tall blonde woman, right? Right. <laughs> who has been talking to me this whole time? Right. Like I know that, right. but here she is. And, and you see that like I can do something about this and there's that moment when when head six is like so beyond the pale of of frost of, of of angry mm-hmm. and and rage and he has to like calm her like if you want me to help you know you need to you need to let me help right. kind of thing right. to me that's like That is the first that is one of the first moments where it really becomes apparent. Like, yes, he really does love her. It's not just like a a convenience thing. It's not a Gaius serving Gaius thing. It's not a, you know, I'm trying to save myself narcissistic trip. It's no, I do care about this person legitimately.
2: Yeah. 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 Just just all around a good episode. Now, I guess one quick question for you is um, why. So so what about it had you position it much lower than I did?
1: Uh, it's more. It's more that just the fact that there's ten episodes, and, and one's got to be the first, and one's got to be the last. Uh, it just happened that I liked other episodes better because they kind of fit in. Like I said, um, you know, the farm would have probably been my number four um, because again, I, I really just enjoyed that that fragged uh, resistance and 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 farm story arc like those three episodes to me were just a really good trilogy um number five for me would have been the final cut just because i really like the fact that it was a different view of of the entire idea and and another view of that idea of the press not showing them necessarily in in such a uh, a black and white like oh mr president mr president mr president you know this and that and the other sort of thing it was like there's the there here's the geraldo rivera of the fleet you know sort of thing Oh, and by the way, she's also a silo you know, kind of thing. <laughs> that, I thought that that was just interesting to me, and there was so much in that, and of course the fact that at the end of like her her broadcast or the cut that she showed to Adama and Ty and all mm-hmm. that, that all of a sudden they dug out the old school like Battlestar Galactica, you know, theme, yes. which I was just like, oh, yeah,
2: that that, yes. that that was that was wise.
1: That kind of suckered me right yeah. in. So then, I mean,
2: so so it's it's more a question of just those being just at a higher level for you than, than that one was.
1: Yeah. I mean, Pegasus would have been that would have been right after that. And it's mostly because it's, I think it's a good episode, but for me, those others are a little bit more, I don't know. I don't want to say artistic, but mm-hmm. it, it just kind of, just kind of got to me a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, ask me like next year, Pegasus might be number two. I don't yeah. know. Uh, and it, and it may, definitely, it could change. And,
2: and one last little bit of, uh, you know, trivia here is uh, it, it, I found it very poetic. I totally forgotten about this, but the fact that Admiral Kane was being played by Michelle Forbes, who is the character I referenced in our last podcast episode uh, when I talked about that Star Trek uh, episode with uh, Picard and Roe, she played. No she way. Played Ro are you serious I I
1: thought she looked familiar
2: she she played Ro and uh and when I saw her at first I'm like boy she looks familiar and I looked it up and I'm like oh my gosh that's so it was just kind of an and just a funny ironic thing that I just honestly didn't plan it it wasn't like I brought that up last episode because I knew this was coming it was really because that related to that episode like we talked about and this when I saw her I'm just like oh that's kind of funny she's been in multiple space Operas, opera things.
1: <laughs> the funny thing is that being me being as much of an IMDb geek as I yeah. am, which I mean, it, total disclosure, I have the IMDb app on my phone, and if I have time to kill, sometimes I will actually just go to different movies that I've liked and I'll read the trivia mm-hmm. because I just enjoy <laughs> that stuff. That's <laughs> it's an ugly habit. Hey, it's almost as it, bad as picking your nose in public, but cool. I just can't help it's it. It's pretty
2: cool when you when you land. No!
1: I'm kind, of, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that somewhere along the line I did not connect those dots. However, the funny thing um, that I, I thought of is, so, of course, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but the whole uh, Battlestar Pegasus thing was an actual story arc in the original Battlestar Galactica as well. Oh, 1978 interesting. Battlestar. Okay. And Admiral Kane, or Commander Kane back in those mm. days, uh, was portrayed by Lloyd Bridges.
2: Oh, there you go. It's like I picked the
0: wrong week to smoking.
1: Because I was, I was watching a little, like, kind of a making-of documentary of uh, the original Battlestar, and they had a bunch of like high-profile kind of uh, cameos, like Fred Astaire was on an episode.
2: Seriously? Yeah. Wow. That's um, that's that's deep, and, man. That, that's that that's a I'll deep actually, cut. If I if I can steal a phrase from you, my friend.
1: I'll, I'll link to that in the in the show notes there's a point when uh, dirk benedict is talking about they they had actually wanted fred astaire to do like a dance scene and he does it's like a, it's kind of like a real hokey sort of dance mm-hmm. scene like just almost junior high-ish like rotate in a circle in and this net and but there was this point when they were shooting and dirk benedict benedict was off on the side of the set and they were doing this thing and they had this sound effect that was this weird off rhythm and they had to keep repeating it to try and do something and uh i'm maiming this story so feel free to check out the link it set off something in him and he started dancing to it Hmm. on the set and he's kind of off like just by himself and no one can really see him he's he was kind of leaning against a viper and then all of a sudden this thing happened and he started kind of moving to it a little bit oh funny and dirk benedict afterwards was like hey i I, I don't want to be weird but i saw you doing this like oh that rhythm was just i just had this idea of doing like this whole show in space and and it's all about this and that and the other and it was just kind of this really cool thing like here's this dude who was on this show and he you know like this has this long career and of course you have lloyd bridges who played uh commander kane which later was admiral kane but in those episodes like he is he is totally like undermining adama's authority Mm -hmm. and trying to have his own agenda and all that so there was this yeah this idea of it becoming you know of of, of taking that idea forward interesting it's like i picked the wrong week to quit drinking Um, which i really just like i like kind of that callback to the original series you know i'm a sucker for that nice i'm just nice just an old sentimental romantic
0: oh you it's like i picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines
1: I know. All right, so uh, now let's. Uh, we are we are again failing horribly. We might actually be longer than the other episode, Three which is
0: 350.
1: Yep. Uh, so let's get to another thing.
0: And another thing.
1: <laughs> uh, so I'll have you go first here. So what is your another thing for this episode? So
2: uh, the and another thing this time around uh, is is really nothing. In the podcast or entertainment realm, uh, more of a life experience sort of thing. Last week, I vacationed uh, for a couple days with the family at Niagara Falls.
0: Niagara Falls.
2: Slowly,
0: I turned and step by step, inch
2: by inch, I walked up to him and I smashed him. I (laughs) I
0: hit him. The and I
2: knocked them down. on the american side which uh from what i understand is, is substandard compared to the canadian side um but <laughs> um no the the
1: but the exchange rate is better so <laughs> there you
2: have it um no the the state park is 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 beautiful uh it you know for for me it was just it was a good experience to kind of get out and see uh this this natural phenomenon and and, and you know just this this uh beautiful falls that, that is just naturally occurring uh, in our world and uh, very awe-inspiring. Um, I, I would highly recommend if you go, there's a, a, a tour called Cave of the Winds, which really isn't much of a cave. I mean, the cave is really walking from the elevator to the start of the actual walkway. And then from there, it's really more about, um, you're, you, you get very, very close to uh, what's called the American Falls. Um, so the, the, the waterfall is just crashing down and you're, you get to a point where you're almost like right next to it and uh and the wind and just you know the uh the amount of water that gets thrown at you is pretty pretty hysterical i think we were pretty soaked afterwards um but but overall it's just you know f- for for an experience thing if you're looking to do something uh you know that you haven't uh, seen yet or or done yet in in terms of that um we, we had a blast with it um uh, it was a fun time um Uh, Terrapin point, which is, uh, uh, an area where you can actually, I mean, you're, you are standing like right next to the horseshoe falls. Um, you can get some good pictures there. And then, um, you know, for us, I think, uh, goal for us will be next time to try the Canadian side where you get more of a direct view of of the horseshoe falls as opposed to a side view. So, so, uh, yeah. So just as, as kind of an experience thing, uh, if you're in the Buffalo Niagara area, uh, have at it. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and uh, just, just very awe-inspiring, so a little something different uh, from, from my side.
1: Very cool. Uh, very cultured and classy. <laughs> well, and well I do thing. try
2: to bring some class to the whole thing.
1: <laughs> well, granted, you all you have I to do is I fail miserably, me. but, you know, I try. No, 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 you, you do well because all you have to do is outclass me, which is sort of like when they say, you don't have to run faster than the bear, <laughs> just faster than the person next to you. <laughs>
2: I love it. And, and, Again, what, is, and have, what is. We have low standards. Absolutely. And, and what is your another thing?
1: Well, my another thing uh, I've alluded to it uh, last episode and also a few times this episode is uh, Battlestar Galacticast. So uh, Battlestar Galactica star Tricia Helfer and TV writer slash journalist Mark Benarden. Mark Do an episode-by-episode rewatch of Battlestar Battlestar Galactica in its entirety, diving deep into the themes of the award-winning sci-fi classic and revealing behind-the-scenes details that only a true BSG insider like Trisha would know. In addition, the podcast will welcome members of BSG's cast and crew into the airlock to share their memories of making the groundbreaking series.
2: Does does Rosalind go into the airlock?
1: I would... See, the thing is, I am still working through the very early stages of this. I think I just got through the mini series episodes today. Um, nice. They are much briefer than ours. They're only like an hour a piece, but I only work out for like 45 minutes on the bike. So uh, you do the math. It takes a little while to get through a couple of these episodes, but they are fantastic. Um, apparently Mark Bernardin, uh has moderated a bunch of Uh, like comic cons and conventions and stuff like that he's done a bunch of panels with Battlestar Galactica cast members Mm. and that's how he kind of ended up getting into this gig with with Trisha Helfer doing this podcast and it is fantastic because they have such great chemistry and uh and honestly I'd seen Mark Bernardin um on Kevin Smith's podcast they actually uh, do a podcast that used to be called Fat Man on Batman (laughs) which is I love it gold as far as a, a title was concerned and of course Kevin Smith pointed out several times like I can't believe that DC hasn't told us to stop <laughs> because they're, t- they're they have no rights to using the the word Batman and it is surely copyrighted and they never kind of called them on it um wow. they eventually changed it to uh Fat Man Beyond and this was after Kevin Smith had his heart attack and uh, lost a ton of weight dude is like downright svelte yeah yeah um so, but they still do this uh, do podcast, and it's uh, they actually uh, do a video. You can watch it on Kevin Smith's YouTube channel, and they film it at a place um, in L.A. called the Scum and Villainy Cantina, which is based on the the Star Wars like Episode Four Cantina on um, uh, in Eisley. Nice. So it's kind of cool. cool, and Mark Bernard is a genuinely like cool dude, and he, they have such great chemistry together. Uh, and he is he is such a great. He is very quick-witted and able to kind of uh, to roll with things and, and put in his own content, but he also draws out a lot from yeah. from Trisha Helfer as he's talking, and and he does the same kind of sometimes when he's talking with Kevin Smith, although it's hard to get a word in edgewise, which is probably how you feel a lot of the no, time. No, come on now. Sitting here listening to me just jabbering. Come on now. But anyways, it is, it is well worth um, your time and effort to find this uh, and to download it. Uh, it's on iTunes, um, I believe. Let me take a peek here. Uh, it's part of Sci-Fi Wire. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that means anything to anybody, uh, but you can find it. I believe right now they're ahead of us. They are in episode. They're into episode two point five, so they're into the Resurrection Ship episodes. See, oh, see, oh, um, they're, they're in
2: season 2.5. Okay.
1: Yeah, okay. yeah. They've so they've gotten past Pegasus. They're now into the. Okay. Past the season break, they're into the. New, and you said this that, is an hour long. Each one is about an hour long. Of course, they're talking about each episode. Oh, they're okay. So, episode, so it's one my episode. episode.
2: Of, I, I was going to say because it's quite telling that the people who actually worked on the show can talk less about it than we can.
1: <laughs> well, not necessarily because the thing is they don't actually break it down scene by scene. Like right, they, they'll. Right. I, I think that they're watching it as they're recording.
2: Oh, okay, okay.
1: But they're also talking about a lot of the stuff that that goes into it and some great observations. Like I said earlier, you know, Mark Bernardin's observation that every character has a secret. I was like, ah, oh, yep. I'm so lame. Yeah. How, how come I didn't figure that out? But it is it is it is a really, really, really great lesson. Very cool, let's check it out. Um, and, and Trisha Helfer is just, I mean, she's just fantastic. She is so fun to listen to. It's, it's great. And Mark Bernardin's fun to listen to nice. too, nice. Uh, not to play favorites.
2: Oh, so you're, anyways, you're just uh, angling for another tweet.
1: No, I'm not. I, you <laughs> I'm know, t- hey. So the funny thing is, Tricia Helfer responded to the treat, uh, retreat tweet, and uh, Mark Bernardin liked it. So I was like, hey, that's kind of cool. Like, yeah. nice. Yeah. I, I hope they don't realize we only have like eight followers, and that we helped promote them like very little. Hey, but hey, we're, thank you we're, very much for your we're time. We're
2: building step by step. I think we're at like hundred and fifteen downloads or something like that.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, next step is like 400 million in world domination. So we're right. That's there, right. Right.
2: We, there. We, are, we are a snowball rolling down the hill, becoming the massive boulder of snow.
1: Yes. Unfortunately, we're rolling straight into hell. Apparently. I, I, I can
2: paint a picture, can I? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and speaking of which, uh, Tricia and Mark, if you ever want to come on, you know, a, a vaguely remotely unsuccessful podcast that has, you know, a minor listenership feel free to give us a shout we would love to have you on um and just drag your career down Hang with us.
2: with a couple knuckleheads
1: yep so uh but that also brings us to the point of uh you know we do thank everybody who has downloaded this podcast thank you very much for yes listening thank you very much for listening to this one because good lord knows you probably are either drinking with us or you need <laughs> a stiff drink afterwards
2: <laughs> And apparently Todd has the inside track to some good rye bourbon and uh, bourbon. So
1: I'm just going to say Michter's uh, straight rye is a good investment you go. for you. There you go. Um, so uh, but thank you for thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Feel free to share it with friends. Feel free to share it with enemies, uh, frenemies, whoever. Strangers on the street, if you will. I we really don't care.
2: At this point, Again, we just we want have, to put the word to the streets.
1: We have exceedingly low standards. Um so anyways, uh, feel free to follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, all that fun stuff. Uh, Tim, once again, I will defer to you for the, the final bit of wisdom. The the the, the, the few words that are going to kind of pull all this together, they are going to sum things up, that are going to really send people off on a high note, that are going to elevate their thinking for the next week.
2: Well, when faced with the choice, don't immediately go to the airlock.
1: <laughs> that idea is just... The worst. Well, we tried. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: to the wrong week. Quit drink. I beg your pardon. What did you say? Damn! Yeah. You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Get out and don't come back until you're free. Don't say we all. do say we all. I mean, that really got out of hand fast.